Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Big Hunker Podcast. What about kids of all ages? Mm, I don't know if it's appropriate that they're listening to our show. Do you let your your son, my grandson, oldest one, will listen to it? No way. It's pretty good. Probably a pretty good deal. But I mean, honestly, I don't know. He's pretty level headed, though. He's probably heard most of it out here. Yeah, this is not really a good place to raise kids. Look how y'all all turned out. That's sure. right. Next thing you know, you wake up and he'll be in the hunting business. Oof. God, I hope not. Um, check us out. We're up on YouTube now. All episodes, all new episodes are going up to YouTube. We Skype our guests. It all goes up to the YouTube machine. So if, uh, if you're bored, check us out on YouTube. Big Honker Podcast. Pretty easy to find. This podcast is brought to you by... The one and only Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Got a couple turkey hunts left. Got a couple turkey hunts left. I got one dove hunt, private dove hunting weekend left for 20 or more. And that's about it. And I've got some October hunts and some November hunts. A little bit of here and there. All because two fat boys had a dream. A little bit of here and there. Uh, So call Jeff, 940-658-3172 if you think you want to come out. And I do answer my own phone. I'm unlike that world-famous Andy Shaver. Yeah. Just old fucking Jeff answers his phone. Got to. Yep. Uh, We're also brought to you by Blindgrass. Listen, they're not just a company that sells synthetic grass for your blind, but they do sell synthetic grass for your blind, and it works great. You brush it once, you forget about it, it's not going to rot or mildew. But they also have waterproof gun cases and waterproof shell bags. If you're somebody that hunts water... Listen, we're waterfowlers, or if you're hunting flooded timber and you're worried about your shotgun shells, taking a dive. Or you're on a boat all summer fishing. If yeah. you've got a boat, take get one of their dry bags, put your stuff in it, seal it up in that bag and leave it in your, your boat and you don't have to worry. Because trust me, when that something happens that boat and you wish you had a dry bag, it's too late. Beautiful. Blindgrass.com. Also, we are brought to you by Bangtail Whiskey at bangtail.com. Traditional corn mash whiskey aged in charred new American oak barrels. You'll find a pleasant aroma of vanilla and spice before galloping to notes of nougat, sweet corn, and a lingering caramel finish. Whiskey's made right there in Florida. Good friend Brandon Bean, up-and-coming country singer. It's his stuff. It's Bangtail Whiskey, and you can get that at bangtail.com. Yeah, they'll ship it right to you, right? Yeah, you can go up to they ship it anywhere in the United States now. You can buy it, right up on, buy it online, ship to your door, make you an old-fashioned a whiskey sour, Jeff. Is that what you make? That's what sour? that's what all the proper gentlemen are drinking are, are whiskey sour. Oh, excuse me, I'm, I'm not proper. And I well, guess I'm not a gentleman. Not, not. I mean, okay. you know, people, people. That's the first thing they think of. Check them out at bangtail.com. <clears throat> it is good whiskey. We had it out here this last winter. Really good stuff. We're also brought to you by Goose Creek Retriever, Mister Matt Peel. It is the dog training season. Uh, if you're going to have your four-legged buddy ready to go by September, October, November, you need to get on the horse right now, and Matt Peel can help you out. At GooseCreekRetrievers.com, they have an early exposure puppy program. It's 10 weeks to five months old. If you're going to spend the money to buy a dog to train, there's no sense, and I've seen so many people do it. They buy a puppy, and it sits in their kennel till six months old. Yeah. Or they sit at the house, your kid's... Ruin the dog, basically. 
by spoiling it, and then you got to start all over. Send it off to somewhere like Matt. Have them take that puppy from 10 weeks on and get it started and ready. They're going to get exposure to live birds, dead birds, water, gunfire, obedience, and potty training. And potty training's a key. If you is. buy a dog, you send your puppy off, and the son bitch don't shit in the house. <laughs> so I'm telling you right now, goosecreekretrievers.com, our buddy Matt Peel, and get the early exposure puppy program and tell them just plain old Jeff told you to give him a call. Because plain old Jeff will be sending his dog to Goose Creek Retrievers. Oh, I am not training a dog to, to, to potty train. And if you've got that four-legged friend, then you're going to need stuff to go around it. You need to go to gundogoutdoors.com and uh, get there, get their stuff that's going to help you uh, make life a little bit better around the house for your four-legged hunting buddy. They've got uh, the field trauma kit, which I think everybody needs, whether you got a dog or not. Um, they've got this nifty little water gadget. You press a button, water comes out into the... Uh, to the little mouth guard, dog drinks it that way. No more cramming water bottles down your dog's throat. It's easy and effective. And also, they've got what I think is the best product since sliced bread, the quick release system. It is now patented. All it takes is one accident. All it takes is one dog breaking, and it's a completely different morning. Get the quick release system. Keep your four-legged hunting buddy right next to you where he should be. We're also brought to you by Pacific Calls. The boys up at Pacific Calls have... Hell of a thing going on. They're retooling the 206. I've had the pleasure of running it. It is an absolute screamer. Uh, it's also turkey season. They've got mouth calls. They've got some pot calls. You can check them out at PacificCustomCalls.com. And if you use the promo code BHP25, it saves you 25% off at checkout. They're going to be at Squad Fest. Yep. And they're going to be at the Ducks Unlimited at, at Texas Motor Speedway in yep. June. And then they'll be at the Game Fair in Minnesota. They better get to going and they better get to building and the world famous sandy shaver is going to be at squad fest and at anoka minnesota so we're still negotiating but we'll see you're negotiating on what ah we're negotiating jeff who's we it was a joke you didn't oh. you obviously didn't get it i guess not check them out pacificcustomcalls.com speaking of squad fest we're oh you're you were negotiating on rights of having to sign autographs all day excuse I'm, us i'm not signing autographs all day but you will if someone asks you uh we'll see once again, we're negotiating. We're brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries, the leader. Skinny, skinny, skinny is the way to go. Oh, we packed everything up just a couple months ago. Everything's stored away so nicely. It's insane. You need to be running silhouettes. The full body movement is over. It's done with. DiveBombIndustries.com. It's a way of life. You get skinny. You put out big spreads, you pack them up nice and neat, and you move on about your day. Organized and life is simple. I love it. They've also got uh, they got some new floaters coming out. Be looking for the – they've got the duck floater out already, but they've also got Canada Goose floater coming out in the near future. So be looking for that over at divebombindustries.com. Love them. Also, we're brought to you by Dirty Duck Coffee. If your coffee sucks, it ain't the duck – Texas made. It's how I start my morning every morning with the high velocity. Fill that cup up and away I go. It's my go-go juice. And look at their swag. They got a brand new t-shirt coming out that is badass. Am I going to get one, Jeff, you, or am I going to have to they're beg? Gonna, they're, they got our sizes. They got a badass shirt coming that I don't think they've got up on the site, but I've mm. seen it and it's awesome. So See, and you know, Jeff says I'm world famous, but he's getting insider information. But dude, check them out at dirtyduckcoffee.com and uh, Get your uh, get your high velocity, or they've got a bunch of different blends. So check them out. Whichever whichever one fits your personality, buy it. Dirty Duck Coffee. 
Also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells, American-made, bismuth copper-plated. All it takes is one. They've also, they're running their Boss Tom line right now. Uh, I am very much looking forward to smacking a Tom turkey in the face with uh, Boss Tom. You still giving everybody one Boss Tom to shoot the turkey with this year? Is that last year's deal? That was last year's okay. deal, Jeff. <laughs> Corona, Corona screwed that for everybody. Um, now, we'll see. But no, that was last year. You're screwed. Uh, check them out, BossShotShells.com. Um, it's never too early to get your shotgun shells for this coming season. Highly recommend getting your shells. Get them ordered before summertime. Do not wait until the last minute no. is what we're trying to say. So. Last year at the end of the year, I had guys calling me every day that were coming on a hunt. Hey, we'll be there next week. We're having trouble finding shells. Don't get stuck in that situation. Start stocking up now. Buy Boss. a case now. Buy another case in May. Buy a case in July. And then you're done for the year. BossShotShells.com. We're also brought to you by Lucky Duck. It is predator hunting season. There are tournaments all over. They have a wonderful electronic predator call. You make all sorts of noises with it. Best, Clay, Clay Reed would approve. Best blinds on the market? Best blinds on the market. Best spinners on the market, bar none. You can fit four grown men in the blind. And Don't uh, forget about your buddy that rides in the back of the truck and gets you a dog a, a dog crate. Yeah, that's exactly right. They've got a dog crate out there. That uh, is cr- what five star crash test yes. rated or whatever they stick with it. So don't worry about sticking Fido in the back of the pickup because if he blows out, he'll be okay. Or if uh, you know hit a patch of ice, he'll be all right back there. You maybe not so much. Dog will make it. Check him out, LuckyDuck.com. Last but not least, R.I.P. Rest in Paradise. Looking Glass Duck Club podcast might be coming back soon. <laughs> you're I so, might have you're, some information. You're terrible to these people. Anyways, check them out at the Looking Glass Duck Club. They still have. You can still support them. They have apparel. Uh, You can check them out on Instagram and message Logan. He really likes penis pictures. So just (laughs) if you send him a penis picture, you get like a free koozie or something like that. So he loves to see it. Check them out, LookingGlassDuckClub.com or LookingGlassDuckClub on Instagram. And uh, enjoy. We appreciate everybody listening. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe if you haven't already. That's what everybody on YouTube has to say. Like and subscribe. All right, ladies and gentlemen, rejoice. The man himself, Mr. Wyman Menzer, is back in the house. Uh, This is a long one. I don't think there's anything that we didn't cover. So we hope that you enjoy it. It's always such an honor getting uh, a man like Wyman in here to sit down and uh, donate two hours of his time. So here he is. I'll stop talking, Mr. Wyman Menzer. Wrong button. I wasn't looking, I was looking at something else. There we go, ten seconds. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Boom, and welcome to the Big Honker Podcast brought to you by Gundog Outdoors. I'm sitting with two world-famous people tonight. This is just old Jeff Stanfield with the world-famous Andy Shaver and the world-famous Wyman Menzer. Hello, Wyman. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to see you again. Good to see you guys I think it's been over a year. It has. 
It has. I can't. I, we had the COVID we had, days. We had the power, the electricity, or something went out. AC oh, went out in here, yeah. and we had no power in here, yeah. and it was hotter than hell. Well, you know, over at uh, at, at Benjamin, there we we never lost a minute. No, power. this was last summer. We last were going to have you, and we scheduled, and you were going to come yes. out, and the power was out. And it, uh, no, that AC went out was all it was. Both ACs in here. One was getting retooled right before season, and then the other went kerplunk. Oh, okay. Yeah. I knew we had some kind of issue. Yeah. And then yeah. this tin can. <laughs> I know the feeling. Yeah, it gets hot. August <laughs> kind of like the, old, the old gel, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. When those rocks got hot, buddy, it was nothing but an oven. How many people come by and see you just to see your gel? Oh, you know, they don't – you know, most people are pretty polite, and they'll come by. You'll see, uh, generally on a holiday, they'll come by quite often, but but generally they won't stop. But if they do, I'll go out and meet them and, you know, and say hello, and hey, you want to see the jail, and I'll take them to the jail. I did I did some people this morning. I had a, I got a friend of mine, a couple, Clay and Christy Bowen from Wichita Falls. They just bought a ranch west of Benjamin. They bought mm. Kevin Cobb's old ranch. I'm not familiar with that. It's the one that's by the Ross, back on the it's by the Masterson. You go down the county road right there, and it comes in. And okay, they got that. And I was telling her just the other day about you, and she knew all about you. Yeah, I said you ought to stop by the. the that may be part of part of the old. Uh, oh golly, um, Bateman. Maybe yes, that's part of the Bateman. Yeah, it's part of that part right there, but it's where that yeah. county road goes in. Yeah, yeah, I know where it is. Neat place. They got odd ads, elk, everything on that thing. Really? Yep. Wow. Hmm. There's getting to be a lot of elk through there. Not a lot, but there are some elk through there. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if 10, 15 years down the road, we don't have an elk season in Texas again in some places. Well, you know, there were there were four or five uh, just outside of Benjamin last uh, last winter. And, uh, of course, they got shot out. Oh, did they? They, 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 did. They, they come out. I think the old beaver ranch, they crawled through the water gap. Y'all, excuse me, I'm a little bit hoarse. <clears throat> I'll get you a uh, bottle of water. Oh, please. And... Uh, and they were outside of Benjamin. You could see them every day grazing in a wheat field, and then finally they were just one by one picked off. It's kind of sad. It, it is because people don't realize if you let stuff alone like just that, leave it alone. Yeah. In Oklahoma, where we hunt at around Hobart, mm-hmm. south of there, back towards Wichita Mountains, there's a lot of elk. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they have a season through there. I understand but that. But they don't, yeah. you know, it's not, you know, just shoot everything that moves. And that's yeah. why they've got them. Now, the farmers don't like them. They tear oh, up sure. a lot of shit. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, they're yeah. pretty destructive, I think. Not like a hog, but they yeah. are. Yeah. But they are a plains animal at one time. They were. They were. Back in the you know, 19th century, uh, 18th century, they were they were known as a plain animal, as the grizz was, the grizzly. When I've been to northern uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan, there, there's elk everywhere in the plains. Wow. I mean, you see them. Yeah. You, I, 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 there's been a day when I've seen mule deer, elk, Moose and white-tailed deer in the same spot. Really? Yep. And the same, you know, and it, it was you. within a ten-mile area, and bears. Really? I mean, it's just it's crazy, and just but there's not a lot of people up there. Yeah. yeah. And they've been there, and they didn't get run out into the mountains like they did everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of questions I've had people knew you can hear the question, and this one here: Zach's wife and family live at Throckmorton, mm-hmm. and they've got they've got some land over there. He was telling me that there, there's a piece of property they have that used to be an Indian reservation. At one time, as yeah, someone told yeah, him. Yeah, it was. Which Indian tribe did they put in Comanche. there? Comanche. It, it wasn't. Well, oh, God. I used to know that history really well back in nineteen uh, late 90s uh, um, when I was shooting the Texas Rivers book. And then, I, I, of course, I worked from the Canadian on down and then had the uh, Clear Fork, the Brazos. And it was a... Uh, I just I don't remember which Comanche group it was but they Penitaka, did maybe Penitaka, i'm not sure 
but they did they did put them in there for reservation. That, How many years were they there? I don't think very long. Because that's it's down there near uh, old Fort uh, uh, Cooper, Fort Cooper, where um, uh, Robert E. Lee was there for a while before the Civil War in the 1850s. No, where, where was Fort Cooper at? That's uh, it's on the Clear Fork. It's on a ranch. I couldn't tell you whose it was. All I knew is I had permission. They actually invited me to come down and photograph that part of the uh, of the Clear Fork of the Brazos. So between Throckmorton and Albany, somewhere. Yes, yes. That's really interesting. There was yes. a fort there, and I did not run. It was it actually it was a it was a bunch of, of civilians basically, and uh, and then uh, Robert e. Lee was there because there's a marker out there in the brush. You know, you crawl out of a like a field that was a uh, previously a field, which is now pasture. And you go out into the thick timber, and it's between. It's kind of in the floodplain of the river. There's this historical marker. It's got Robert E. Lee Fort Cooper. On be it. damn, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, I'd, I would have never thought yeah. that. There's pieces, there's shards of gra- uh, glass, and all kinds of little little trinkets lying around. Yeah, Zach, that Zach was going to go look for. Airheads, uh, airheads, and stuff right there. And he, oh yeah, I was like, really? He said, yeah. He said, there used to be a reservation here. I go, what? Ah, well, it, you might find a little metal there, but they won't find any flint. Yeah. We were talking the other day. Why do you think it is that uh, you know we gave the Indians Oklahoma? Yeah, and then I mean, it wasn't very developed until the white man went up there and yeah. discovered. I mean, they discovered oil, but mm-hmm. New Mexico still, it's terrible the way you look at the Indian reservations what is it that I mean are they just not do they not get up with the times fast enough how is it that it always seems like they live in poverty yeah and they just never move forward it seems like I and I realize I'm speaking in a broad term but we were talking about it the other day and it just it seems like I'm not a big Indian sympathizer I think that back I, then everybody fought that was the way it was I kind of am I kind of am because, you know, this was their country. But I understand that everybody at one point gets defeated right, and moved right. out by the superior power. You know, manifest destiny. All that, over the that's, world. That's what, that's what took out, you know, the Native Americans. And uh, I just, I don't understand that. I don't know why. So we talk, say. We, we talked, I just got back from the Black Hills. Mm-hmm. And have you been to Black Hills? Mm-hmm. That's an amazing place, I think. It is. I did not know what to... I, for someone that's been on track, gone a lot of places, I didn't know what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting this. I was expecting stuff that looks about like around Gilland or somewhere in the Scalds. <laughs> is what I was expecting. I, and, and it never dawned on me, well, Jeff, you're going to see Mount Rushmore. It's got to be on a mountain. Yeah. I didn't expect yeah. the mountain. I didn't expect the Rocky Mountains to be in South Dakota is what I didn't expect. Big time. And it's a beautiful place. Gorgeous. But, I've never been an Indian sympathizer, but I felt more sorry for them when I read the story about how that all went down over there because right. we gave them that land, yeah. and then and when they discovered gold, we was we like, well, hold on, hey, 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 hold hey, on. You move on out, we're coming in. Yeah. It, it was wrong. It, it, that was. I, I, it was wrong. 100%. That, but, I, but I'm not a sympathizer. I feel like that everywhere in the world, we're the only place, the only country in the whole world that has to give back and apologize for how we got to where we are. Mm-hmm. And I understand the Indian deal, but they fought and killed each other. Crazy horse and they them did. killed the Sioux or somebody to get to where they were or whatever tribes. I get my tribes confused. <laughs> but I don't understand how every Indian tribe in the United States of America is surrounded by people that are prosperous yeah. everywhere. 
Well, I tell you what, <clears throat> they're getting us back with the with the casinos. Yes, <laughs> they are. They are. They're kicking butt. <laughs> so, so you know what? I just say, you know, more power to you. Yeah. yeah. Because I don't gamble, so they're not going to get me. I never did anything to them, and they're not going to get me back for anything. So I'm I'm okay. I'm I bought cool. a lot of school books for him. <laughs> but, but, he pays the light bill quite but, often. But they. But I don't under. I've never understood. So in Oklahoma, where we'll hunt, yeah, you will go by, and it's not a big reservation, but it, it's all broken down trailers and shit, it and is. it's trash. It is. And then you look across the street, and there's people that are living in these big yeah. homes. They're farming, and they've yeah. had to purchase that land little by little by little. Someone's yeah. worked hard to get that. Yeah. And the Indians have got all this field, and I don't understand why you don't see. You know what? It could. There could be. Here's a theory. Um, it just hit me. Uh, government intervention. Bingo. Government intervention. We are going to give you this. Mm-hmm. We will support you. And then it's like, why should I do anything? Right. Yeah. There's a, there's an Indian tribe in South Dakota. I mean, not South Dakota, South Carolina. We had this conversation a couple of days, and guy sent me a deal. And it's an Indian tribe in South Carolina. And that Indian tribe is very prosperous. They own banks. They own land. They mm-hmm. own... Hotels. I don't think they're in the casino business, but they're very, very, very prosperous. Mm-hmm. And it's because they've never, ever, ever had a government handout. There you go. And the guy said, he said, we are not required, we're not relying on the United States government to take care of us. We take care of ourselves. And we That's take good. care of our people and our tribe. And we all work hard. Yes. And they own construct. They did everything in the world. Yeah. And he was arguing with the lady that was a senator, and she was on behalf of, well, we need to do more for the natives and this and that. And he goes, no, you don't. We've yeah. done enough. Let them live their lives, and you know you got to have some tough love sometimes. That's right, I agree, and and I think that's one of the things. But anyways, I'm I'm really fascinated with the Indians. Always have been mm-hmm. from when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. I call them Indians still. I don't the Native yeah. Americans because <laughs> that's just the old that's the old habit of mine. That's the old the old time. But, yeah, man. When I was in school, and you'd talk about um, uh, what was the Indian the lady's name? The Indian on uh, Squanto was that who it was? It was the Pilgrims. I don't remember. I think those it was shows. was it Squanto? Uh, what or he was? In, anyways, the Indians with the pilgrims and all that stuff. And when yes. I read about him when I was a kid, I just thought, yeah. man, that's the coolest thing ever. And yeah. I've been to the old, you know, villages mm-hmm. around Salem or not Salem in Plymouth, mm-hmm. and just man, what a cool way to live that they did. Yeah. And it was it was a tough life for them. And when t- times were good, you know, they flourished. And when times were rough, they starved. No, they were, they were tough. There was no. Gray area. That's right. It was you're either going to sink or you're going to swim. That's right. And when the old got old, they they left them out and they to die. Now the um, no rest homes. Co- <laughs> no. Coach Coachies actually got along with the white man until they kidnapped him or took him and his wife in because they thought they kidnapped a yeah. little boy and he sold firewood to the well yeah. uh, to the I thought was it Wells Fargo was it the ones that, who who was the. Uh, the, I haven't read my my Apache. I, I can't. I, I haven't read my Apache uh, history in a while. I don't know. Whoever whoever done the carriages that, that bring people across. I don't think carriage is the word I'm looking for. Um, that they they would rob them and stuff. Well, anyways, they they had set up and he was selling firewood to them and water mm-hmm. for the horses and stuff. And the oh, teams. the stagecoach. Stagecoach. Yeah, yes, I couldn't. Yeah. That's good. Think of that mm-hmm. word. And he, he and he was there and he didn't get mad at them until they had, they screwed him over. They they. Yeah. they I think it was General Custer, too, maybe, that did it. I don't think. I think the Apaches uh, were really pursued later, I think, at post-Custer Massacre. I know they lasted up until the, until the early 1880s. 
And uh, I've got the book on uh, Mangus, Colorado. Uh, that was the man. He was the guy. Yeah, the he, was, he, was tough, he was a tough cookie. And, um, uh, and I have another book, and I can't even pronounce the guy's name. Uh, but I found it in Santa Fe at a used bookstore at the bottom of a pile of books. And it's my, my life with Geronimo or my years with Geronimo. And he died like in 1953. And he basically, he held the horses for Geronimo when he ambushed the Mexicans in Mexico to get ammunition provisions to keep, you know, to keep the war going. And he gave a lot of uh, uh, interesting insight into the Apache Way, and and the um, the dynamics between the Mexicans and the and the Apache Mexicans versus the whites, you know, the Anglo's and, and Apache. Now, were they at each other? Were the Mexicans and the and the Indians in, oh, the just kind of in Texas? The Apaches hated the Mexicans, really, because uh, as according to the Apache, the Mexicans would invite. The uh, the Apaches in said we're going to trade. Let's have a let's have a big day, and they'd have their mezcal and get them drunk, and then they'd fall on them and boom, you know, knock them out. And then of course, then the, what the survivors would go back to the mountain and say, you know, we got to go kick some butt here, you know, and then they go back and massacre the village. And so that's that was basically what was going on in Mexico. And then of course, then uh, uh, Crook. Crook was the big man against the Apaches. He was the he was the general. General Crook was the one who really came in and whipped up pretty bad on the Apache. Where, where was Apache Pass at in present day? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not certain. Because that was they, they had a trail through the mountains yeah. that nobody else could hardly get yeah. through. I know that in Arizona and New Mexico, that was the uh, those were the areas that was the big Apache crossings. And I've I've been to the Chiricahua Mountains, you know, shooting shooting photographs and various other things, and in that region and on some of the reservations uh, that that are there. But uh, God, that was back in the '80s. I don't recall some of the specifics. They was a that that uh, now Colorado was he Cochise's dad? <sighs> I'm putting I've been you on away the spot here. Too long. I've been away from him. <laughs> putting too you long. on the spot here, yeah. Wyman. Yeah. But I yeah. think he I think he was. Trust me, I'm going to get fact-checked on this yeah. by everybody that listens to this. <laughs> they do it all the time. I've got several books on the Apache uh, uh, history, and, God, they're so interesting. But I'll go in, I'll go in this, this mode where I'll, I'll go after one group for a while, and then I'll read another, and it's been, it's been years since I've read the, the Apache history. The, the Cynthia Ann Parker story is an amazing story. It is. I mean, it is. Her and her family were at Weatherford, Texas, I believe. Is that right? Somewhere around Parker County. Parker County, yes. And someone left the gate open, basically. Yeah. Uh huh. And they come in and stole her and her little brother. They killed everybody else. Yeah. They gutted her uncle. Yeah. In front of them. Yeah. And then how she was like six years old. She was pretty young. Yeah. And then they took them, uh, took them up, you know, here in the plains in the Panhandle region. And I've been on the site where she was recaptured uh, by Goodnight and some of the Rangers. And I was with the, with the Comanches, and we did a cedaring there on the site where she was recaptured. What's a cedaring? It's, a, it's sort of a, um, a religious sort of a, you know, cleansing. 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 Okay. You have a cedar, right. little cedar or sage. And you, sage, yeah. You know, sit there and puff, you know, smoke on them. But I, I got with them there at, at Comanche at the uh, Cynthia Ann Parker Day in Crowell. And, uh, and I was friends with... Uh, 
Oh, it was a, Cher- a Cherokee lady, and she had married a Comanche. I met him actually in Snyder at the uh, White Buffalo Day and became friends with him. And, uh, in fact, the, the I don't really call the guy's name, but he was on that, uh, that show quite often, that uh, the karate guy. Something Texas Ranger. Oh, Chuck oh Norris. Walker Chuck, Texas yeah, Ranger. Yeah, Walker te- Texas Ranger. Okay. And so uh, uh, they were at that at that uh, cruel thing one time, and they invited me to, to accompany them with some other Comanches down to that. And Slenda and I went down there and got a cedaring. So now, did, go ahead, Andy. Uh, according to what I've heard about that, she didn't want to go back no, when the, when the no, Rangers no, no, she she found her. She, she escaped and went back to the Indians a couple of times. No, she never she made never it. Did. She but she was trying it. to, right? She tried to, and then her baby uh, flower, prairie flower, died, and then she died of a, of a heartbreak, basically. And she was married to Pete Nakona, wasn't she? That's Peter Nakona. Yeah. yeah, that was his wife. Yeah. And he told her that if she would, she would be his wife, but he couldn't have any other wives. I don't know that. That's what I had read. Yeah. And um, but she, her uncle kept looking for because the rumor was there was a blue-eyed Indian somewhere, mm-hmm. and he knew that was his niece. Yeah. And he went all over trying to get her, and finally they found her. Good night, and then collect her. Where did they actually get her at? She was on Mule Creek. Where's that at? Uh, near mm, north of Child- uh, north of Crowell, uh, at the confluence of Mule Creek and, and the Pease River. Okay. Yep. Now, how did they finally track her whereabouts? Were they? I think they- it was in the winter, and most of the warriors were gone. Mm-hmm. And the Texas Rangers just came up on them, discovered the village, and then raided it. And she tried to get away, and she was on, I think she was riding uh, double with another Comanche, and uh, he got shot or she got shot or whatever. I mean, Cynthia Ann Parker didn't. And then whenever she fell, well, then they ran up and they turned over, and she was like, you know, blue eyes. And, whoa, you know, we got us an Anglo lady here. And it, what, what, now – she is Quanah Parker's mother. mother. Yes. Who was his? Was Pete Nakona his dad? Yeah, I, I think that's correct. Yes. What, what, how old was he when she got caught? Peter. Yeah. I no, 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 no. Oh, oh no. He was just. Uh, I think he was just a little, little, uh, little guy. I don't know exactly how old, but I've got, I've got the information at home. Now, if I remember right, he he become really good friends with. Goodnight, or one of the big landowners. Uh, 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 Burke Burnett. Burke, that's who it was, yes. Burke Burnett, Burke Burnett yes. and him mm-hmm. become good friends, yes. and he trusted him a lot. Yes. Because Burke, take, Burke, I always want to say Burke Burnett is a town. Yeah. Mr. Burnett was really fair to the Indians. Yes, yes. And, and, and when Quanta Parker went to Washington, D.C., I think he went with him. Is he may that, have. I'm not sure. Because he got invited to go to Washington, D.C., if I'm not, yeah. if I'm not right, yeah. wrong on that. Yeah. Several of them did. Several, several of the, uh, several of the various chiefs got invited there. Yeah, you know, I, I'm all for <clears throat> equal rights for anybody and stuff. And and like I said, I'm not a sympathizer on anybody because the way the world was. But I think it's really neat that our history is where we are. Mm-hmm. That we have this to discuss with. And everything shouldn't be politically correct, but it is a, a right. very interesting. The whole way, all them tribes went together, and yeah. Crazy Horse is an amazing story himself. It is. I've been there at the fort where he was killed. You know, at uh, where was it in Nebraska? Maybe. What's the name of that place? Uh, oh golly! It's not Wounded Knee. No, no, no. Uh, he was killed at a fort. Um, saw the spot he was killed. Um, 
but it's a big, uh, a big. Actually, that's still being used. Uh, you can rent cabins there and have reunions. Huge place, beautiful. We went to um, where he, where Custer was killed. Oh yeah, yeah, I've been uh, there a couple times. Uh, yeah. What's the name of that place? I'm having a brain fart today. In in is it Montana? In Montana, or North Dakota? Montana, Montana. Yes. Yeah. Uh, God dang it! It's Custer's last stand. Yeah, man. I can't think of the name <laughs> of the damn place. But when you look at it, and you're looking there, and you're thinking, man. How they hide anybody here, anyways? Oh, I know it's it, those are big rolling hills. You yes, know, until you get into that big rolling country, and uh, well, outside of Benjamin, you know, like like I'll be out there fooling around at North Benjamin. And you've got some rolling country before you get to the Badlands, mm-hmm. and that can be a herd of cattle in a draw two hundred yards away, and you have no idea they're there. So when you get into that big Montana Wyoming country, it's easy to see where you can hide a thousand people uh, half a mile away, and then you wouldn't know it except mm-hmm. for the fire. And they knew how to hide. And they knew how to hide. What? Um, how long do you think the Indians were here before we, white man was here? Oh, my goodness. Indians being Folsom, Clovis. You know, I mean, how far do you right. want to go back? I, I mean, 12,000 years. I think it's 10, 12,000 years Tw- because they came, the, they came on the yeah. land bridge. Yeah. And then the land bridge melted and yeah. it stranded. Basically, they came from China. Yeah. So, uh, it's funny because... What were they saying? So, you know how Indians can't drink. Yeah. They can't yeah, hold right, their liquor. Right, right. Well, that is also a common trait in the Chinese people. So that oh, would really? suggest. And they love to gamble, both of them, too. <laughs> that, that's, that, is, that is very true. <laughs> so that would suggest yeah. that they come from a, a common ancestor yeah. back when the land bridge was here. Yeah. So some people yeah. came across. Other people stayed when it melted. They couldn't yeah. get anywhere, and they were stranded here basically until yeah. Columbus. Yeah. Well, how, how long do you think the Indian lived like he was living in 1700? Do you think 500 years probably like that? Well, you know, and and uh, like I think the earliest what you'd call some people would refer to as tribes were not tribes. They were clans. Uh, like, for instance, uh, when when the uh, Spanish came, first came through, uh Whichever one it was, you know, up in the in the Panhandle region, searching for the cities of gold. Ponce de Leon or Conquista or the? Uh, no, it wasn't them. Uh, God, I'm having a brain fart with you. Um, anyway, Vosky, uh, uh, God, what the hell is this? Searching for the city of gold. Yeah, was it Cortez? Cortez. Cortez. My, uh, gosh, no, it wasn't Cortez. Anyway, uh, they ran. They talked about running up on clans, basically family units. That had dogs with trevoises, and, and you know, before that, that they even had horses. The Indians had horses, and they were up on the Llano Estacada, and um, with no, they hadn't even had horses they yet. They didn't even have horses. They used dogs, and so he did. They they described those uh, those clans, and, and of course, I think it was in the early sixteen or early seventeen hundreds, late sixteen hundreds that the Comanches came out of uh, the mountains of Shoshone and hit the plains, and that's where they got the whole of the Spanish ponies. It was Coronado. 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 Coronado's camp. He had a big camp in, in Blanco Canyon, and I've been there to that camp and photographed the, uh, the archaeologists digging. So when, did, when did they was, find anything? Yeah, they found some points, some points. of those, some of those uh, crossbow points. When, when was Coronado here? 1500s. Yeah, mid fifteen, and that's when the ponies first come up, showed up. Yeah, that's whenever they were they were brought into the country, I suppose, because they were Spanish ponies and they were you know they got loose on the plains. But uh, but the Comanches were the ones who mastered the horse first, mm-hmm. supposedly, 
and they they went ahead and dominated because they became buffalo hunters. Now, yeah. and we might have talked about this, but I mean, it, it's it's tragic to see what has happened to the buffalo. But I mean, there's no way that we could have herds of buffalo no, with no. the lifestyle that we have today. No, no. no it's, but it's just it's just a sad story how they sure. how, yeah. how they were how they were slaughtered. You know, yeah. I was at I was at Rass City just the other day, um, up in uh, Stonewall County, and uh, I flew a drone over and did an aerial of uh, Tom Lumpkins and Spotted Jack Grave. And of course, I've been there. I was there when they put the the uh, uh, historical marker, um, and um, I can I think it's in the '80s. And I've done several uh, magazine articles on the buffalo kills, and uh, I've hunted with a metal detector on Rath City and picked up whiskey bottles and broken <laughs> spurs and sharps cartridges, and they shot a lot of forty-five long colt. You could there was there was a there was a common denominator in the amount of whiskey bottles and forty five long coat bottles <laughs> found. I'm serious. The more- there was a relationship there. You go. Wait a minute. Why are there so many whiskey bottles here and a lot of coat forty five cartridges? <laughs> now, where would they get their whiskey from? They would just buy everything oh, were, at a fort. And, uh, and- they were. They, it was brought in uh, uh, Charles Rath, who came in from Dodge City mm-hmm. in 1875 and established Rath City. And he brought, I forgot, how many, like 30 or 40 freight wagons full of Sharps rifles and, uh, and barrels of, you know, kegs of gunpowder. And, of course, all of your accoutrements that buffalo hunters liked, which was whiskey. Mm-hmm. And then on Friday, the pink uh, hide wagons would come in from Fort Griffin with the prostitutes. <laughs> and everybody would have a big time. <laughs> and and at, in the 80s, I flew over Rath City one day just to get an aerial view of it. And it was during a dry period. And, of course, it's a wheat field now. But at the time, it was like a sorghum field or something that had sorghum. And you can see the street where it went between the buildings. Between, see, Rath's, Rath's store was on, like, the east side of the street. And then you had the hotel and the saloons was on the, on the west side. You had the powder magazine and uh, stables. And you could see where all this was because you had – and the street was lower, and you could see the greener – uh, vegetation growing. Mm-hmm. Ain't that amazing how places like that never ever made it after the that yeah. was over? And then yeah. you got other present day towns that are big cities uh-huh. that have just they yeah. just kept they just didn't die. Well, every time that I cross the uh, uh, the, the the river bridge between Albany and Throckmorton, every time I look to my right and look in that big field, and I think that is where Fort Griffin existed at one time. One of the most thriving centers of hell on earth, as Joe McCombs put it. When I interviewed Joe, uh, Joe McCombs' son, Miles McCombs, who was a Joe McCombs killed, I forgot how many tens of thousands of buffalo in the 1870s. And I learned that Miles McCombs was in the rest home in Albany, so I interviewed him one day. And he had a good mind, he just couldn't get around. Yeah. And uh, Miles, <laughs> of course, he what, the things he told me. Uh, were things that I had already read about to some extent. But he did say, he said, Papa told me that Fort Griffin was hell on earth. And then you drive across there now and you look, and who would know? Unless you studied history, who would know that that was one time one of the wildest towns this side of Dodge City, Kansas? It, it could have even exceeded Dodge City. They said 30 men were killed there in 30 days. Wow. And is that why he said it was just hell on earth? Just, be, on just earth. the lawlessness? Prostitutes, uh, the gambling, uh, the lawlessness. 
I mean, every kind of uh, outlaw, lawman came through there. All of them came through Fort Griffin. If you watch Deadwood, the series on HBO, mm -hmm. that gives you a good insight of really, I mean, it's a TV show, but mm -hmm. of how what it was really like, or Hell on Wheels. Yeah. Those towns were just, they're, they were lawless. Oh, they were wild. Like, if, you know, Big Nose Kate, you yeah. know, who was, uh, you know, she was there at Fort Griffin. Big Nose Kate. Big Nose Kate. I'm going to look her up, put her on yeah. the screen. And, uh, and let's see, there was one uh, reading. I've got the history of of, Rath's, of, uh, of uh, Fort Griffin at home. And in one instance, <laughs> there was some kind of an issue came up. And some guy went into a saloon and started shooting, and the lights went out. And whenever the lights came on, the only person killed was a lawyer. <laughs> and he was shot through the head. And he was sitting at the end of the bar having a whiskey. There she is right there. Big, big nose Kate up on the big screen. Oh, there you go. She is not uh, Doc Holliday's Big Nose Kate. There you go. So is that who Doc Holliday is with in I Tombstone? Su I suppose so. I'll yeah. be damned. Yeah. And and then Wild Bill's gal was uh, what's her name? Jesus Christ! Oh goodness! Uh, I, I've been to their grave. Mm, uh, well, she was a together. foul mouth talking old gal. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm, God, I can't think of her damn name now. Her name is oh, hold on a second. Wild Bill's woman, Calamity, Calamity Jane. 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 Oh yes. yeah, they're buried together. Yeah, they She's, are. Yes. Grave side by side. Yeah. Did they die at the same time? No. Nope. Nope. She no? said, I want to be buried with, with uh, Wild Bill. She went and had kids and got married or something, I think, afterwards even. I'm not sure. And went on the um, the shooting, whatever they had, where he had the... Oh, the, like, who had Buffalo the Bill. Buffalo Bill Cody yeah, had the yeah. damn traveling show. Yeah, right. And I think she went with him, and but she was she got married and had kids. Okay, well she was a rough old gal though. Tough, <laughs> tough times. I think all it is it amazes me that we're only 175 years mm -hmm. from that time. Yes, and I mean you look at where we are today. I mean we've got cameras and microphones and 150 years ago, 175 years ago. Drop in the bucket, and it's nothing in the right. in the span of, in the, of time. In the right in the context of history, it's it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. This civilization as we know it, us sitting here having a civil conversation without mm -hmm. six shooters on right. us right. and a knife in the other guy's back right. is new. Yeah. It is. It did not used to be this way. That's right. And for a long time, yeah. you can look in that in the the jail book that I have at home. That's. Uh, the people that were chunked in the old jail that I own from 1887, from October 87 to 1948. And it's amazing to see the transition of, of uh, crimes that occurred. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to the museum one day and looked up some of the, uh, some of the guys. Uh, oh, it, it's not the ones that were thrown in jail, but the ones that bailed out or paid the fine. Lots of fighting went on back then. Yeah. Fist fights. Lots of fist fights. Until you settled stuff. 1890s, lots of fist fights. Pay $3 fine, get out. What's the story on the doctor that was there? Yeah, Dr. Jones. Yeah, he, he, was, he was a fighter. He was a fighter. He got, uh, he got fined in about 1896 for fighting, like five-buck fine. Mm -hmm. And then he killed his wife in 1904. And then he, didn't he kill himself? Uh, yes, in the jail up in our our bedroom. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God! How did he do it? Uh, he cut his uh, jiggler vein. Jeez. And he just asked for his bag for something, didn't he? Yes. Uh, I talked to the old gentleman who was whose father was a jailer at the time, and this was like you know twenty years ago, and he was ninety years old back then. The old gentleman was. He lived in Monday, 
and he said, uh, my father uh, asked, told me to go fetch the doctor's medicine bag, and I did. And as, my, as Papa closed the door of the jail cell, Dr. Jones pulled a blanket over his head. And he said, Papa opened the door, and when he pulled the covers back, he'd already cut his throat. Or he either cut his throat. There's a couple of different uh, stories. One, he cut the femoral artery in his leg, and the other is he cut his jugular vein. Either way, he bled to death. Yep, bled to in death. Your, in your bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, I bet that wasn't the only person that died in that jail. I'm not sure. I know there was a lot of a lot of hooliganism went on back then. Do you did you ever feel anything or see anything in your time in the jail? No, but you know there was it was always a fascinating things on stormy nights or full moon nights. I still remember it vividly lying there in bed on a, especially a full moon night when the when the moon would rise in the east and you'd see the the shadows of the bar stretching across the floor. Oof. And you wondered about all the people who mm-hmm. spent time in there. Probably saying From saw 1887, the s- saw the same, same thing. Same Yeah. The very yes. same thing. Except on a concrete floor. That's, I have a rug. That's crazy, though. But <laughs> think about it. I mean, it's the, it's the same, same thing. Same thing. Nothing has changed. That's the one thing that has not changed. That moon has risen and gone down. So you hadn't seen no damn apparitions in the night. The only thing I saw one night that weirded me out was uh, during a big thunderstorm. And just like you guys a while ago, I heard something. Mm-hmm. Thunder and lightning, you know, and I heard this swishing. And I flipped on the light, and there was a dadgum bat in the room. <laughs> and I still can't figure out how that bat got in. Well, we've had two in here two, today. Two, and we've it's never had them. The it's either the same one that yeah. got in the same way, or we had two in here before Surely that fucker didn't come back. I, I, it looked the same, <laughs> Chef. I can't tell you. I remember how I got him. Uh, I kept watching him. I got there, how am I going to get this bat? And he would go, and I watched his altitude. And he would go around and make the same 360 <laughs> at the same altitude above, above my head. And it was at the level of a ceiling fan. So I just flipped the ceiling fan on, and he went around that, la- that east ceiling fan, and it whacked him. And that was all she wrote. And I just opened the window and pitched him out. <laughs> They're nasty. This is the, the bat that I saw today is the first bat I've ever seen in the wild, and it is nasty little booger. <laughs> yeah. It's got a little tail on it about like that. Yeah. It looks like a freaking vampire. It's I mean, they do. They're Mexican free tail bats. Yeah. I thought Jeff was going to get bit and like turn into a superhero. <laughs> <somehow>. <laughs> it's like, hmm, I don't know about all that. I think of, uh, you know, you were talking about just things staying the same. We had a big thunderstorm. Have you seen the pictures that came from that thunderstorm from yesterday in Colorado City? The dust storm no. that came oh, with yes, it? I did see that. I think I was telling Tony this today. I'm like, could you imagine you're a plainsman and then something like that conjures up? You're thinking, what in the hell yeah. is coming my way? And what? Because they weren't trees here at that time, right. were there? Uh, very few. Where am I going to go? Very few. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can, uh, you talk you about hell on the earth. Frustration and the, and the fright. Well, you know, uh, I have a book on uh, cattle drives. And this guy tells about his um, his experiences on some of the last cattle drive that, that, that occurred in the late 1880s. And he talked about uh, getting up in the Texas Panhandle and a tornado hitting them. Mm-hmm. And the hail first. <clears throat> and how they got off their horses. And actually it was in the 1870s. And they got off their horses and put their saddles over their heads to keep them from getting beat to death. And then coming up on a herd of buffalo that was that was literally in a rick dead from the tornado and he called it 
like a big cyclones, what they call it, cyclones. Because I remember my dad back in the 50s and 60s, you know, cyclones coming. <laughs> that was the term back then. That was the term. Yep. You know, get out of bed, boy. Let's go to the cellar. Cyclones coming. You know, and you'd get out and hell, it already hit. You yeah. Know? <laughs> you know, that, that, that hail storm, though, which me tornado chasing, I've been in some big ass hail. Yeah. And I was awful damn glad I've been in my truck and I've been in my truck when my windows are blown out. But yeah. He still was in a truck. Yeah. To be out in the open like that. Oh, sure. Knock, beat the piss out of you. Sure. sure. I mean, it would kill you. Yeah. You get into some some baseball-sized hell, and it's going to kill you if it hits yeah. you. Um, yeah, I've seen uh, the uh, aftermath of hell storms that I didn't know had hit. Like, for instance, in the 70s or early 80s, I was on the backside of the old Ross back on Bird Creek, and, um, and I came up. Uh, on that, that hill that overlooks Bird Creek one day, and I'm going, what happened? How do they spray the cedars here? I don't know how they spray for cedars. And and it, and it wasn't that wide, perhaps a quarter of a mile wide and maybe a mile long. And then I went down there, and there were pox in the ground, and it was just a tremendous hailstorm that literally beat the cedars to death. And all the mesquites, the limbs, the leaves were gone, and all the cedar leaves were gone. That's crazy. You know, um, not to change the subject, we change the subject. Did you notice our cactus out coming in or dying? Oh, yeah. Coming in here? That's, that's from that freeze. That's from the freeze. I read yesterday where all the big oak trees, live oaks down in the hill country, mm-hmm. a lot of them, they don't know if they're going to come back. I don't doubt it. Big, all, big trees. All, I mean, your, your cactuses look good compared to ours. We've got some this big, and they're just going to melt like jelly. I, I kept coming. I noticed them one day, and I was like, first I thought someone ran into them, mm-hmm. and I didn't. And I <laughs> was like, did. who the hell is the fucking cactus? <laughs> and then there's some people that come out here because the Mexicans cut them off and make yes. uh, what, whatever, like a palapas. Or yeah, I'm they, not sure the they, name. They, but they yeah. cook, they eat them. Sure. And I've got a couple of families, that, and they get all, you know, help yourself. Sure. I thought, damn, some somebody should cut off. They took off half the damn things, <laughs> yeah. you know? And every day they get worse looking, worse looking. What they're going to do is they're going to basically turn into jelly. Mm -hmm. I mean, and they stink. I mean, it happened several years ago. We had a big freeze and it killed a bunch of ours, at least portions of them. And I had to go in there with a chainsaw and cut them and and take a a fork and fork them out in the trailer. What you don't do, even though these don't have the big thorns, Mm -hmm. don't think leather gloves will help you. (laughs) Because those little... Little buzz, those are little little hairy jobs. Yeah. They'll work their way through your leather gloves right into your hand. Mm. So well, whatever you do, just take a take a front end loader uh-huh. and scoop them up, but don't do it with your hand. Well, those things, some of them things in there are as thick as a eight inch log. I mean, they're they're real heavy. Oh duty. yeah. I thought about just burning them, maybe. Yeah. Well, they're so they're so juicy. Yeah. They're so juicy. You'd have to let them lay lay all summer and just dry up into basically dust. Before they'll, before the, it's like it's like a, a real uh, uh, pithy tree. Like say, for instance, uh, a cottonwood that gets real pithy, and when it gets old, it's like you can pick a piece up and it'll blow away. Mm-hmm. That's how this this cactus will get eventually, and that's the only way you can burn it. I wonder if I wonder, is the whole thing gonna die? You think? I doubt if all of it will die. Yeah. What I see out there uh, a while ago when I turned in, and I thought this, I thought, well, they didn't lose it all, but they lost a bunch of it. And that was a very mature. Yeah, but, but I mean, people. There's a whole lot of families been eating on them things for yeah, two or years. The custodian at the uh, at the courthouse, he's come to me, you know, and asked. Me, I said, "Go ahead and get all you want. Eat the damn thing. Yeah. You know, I don't care." Have you ever eaten them? Never. I haven't either. I wonder if they're any good. Yeah. Now they used. I heard that they use cactus to purify their water. I'm not certain. Back in the back in the day, I think it, 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 yeah. it might have not even worked, but yeah. might have just been cactus flavored. 
piss river water. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Back change, then. They changed the river water to something at least palatable, you know, where you, you know, like coffee, no. make coffee out of uh, gyp water. Can you imagine that? And that's what they used to do when they come through here. They they were not real picky about water. They were just happy oh, to have it. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah. I don't think they got all the diseases we have. I don't think we had all the diseases here that we had then. Well, it's, you know, it's like my cardiologist told me uh, a couple of years ago, and I, we were talking about the immune system. And, uh, and he said, see, you have to understand, he said, your immune system is better than mine because you grew up basically, I mean, he didn't say this in this term, but he said, you grew up in a more filthy environment than I did. Right, yeah. You know, I used to eat dirt, cash hit, <laughs> you know. I horse crap. I mean, I all of that stuff as a kid, and uh, he said that's going to make you more less immune, uh, less less susceptible to these diseases that are coming through. I think that's with COVID. <clears throat> I think that probably that, so. The people that have been out—that's why Florida's numbers are down. The people have been out and exposed, and mm-hmm. they haven't just stuck in the house all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. We went to um, Boston in October, and I seen dust on cars that was two, three inches thick on some of them. They've been setting for six months. We were there in October. They've been setting since March. So seven, eight months. And you could see that you go down the streets and there was cars that hadn't been moved. Good gracious. I mean, it was just, it it looked like a ghost town. I don't know how that many people in a city stay inside anyways. And stay alive. I don't know. Yeah, and they were. You didn't see people on the streets. You didn't see anything hardly. You know, it's, I just, I've always said this in in a joking way, but it's really true. I mean, every kid ought to eat a a, a mud pie once Mm -hmm. once every six months. Yeah. Yeah. We get exposed to things that other people don't. I never thought about that, but that's exactly right. When I, when I lived, like, for instance, when I was uh, trapping on the pitchfork back in the seventies, you know, living in that trapping cabin, that old dugout, I, I mean, it was, it was filthy. I mean, I would have carcasses piled up and the only time I would move them was when the blowflies got so bad that they would just they would they would just they were taking over <laughs> and then I would just load the trailer up with carcasses and carry it off down into the canyon throw them away and then I'd start a new pile but that in itself is is a way you know as I got older I still lived in that manner which subjected me to all the germs and all the viruses and I never had a cold I've never had a sore throat because I just lived. It was always cold down there, mm-hmm. and I was I was uh, acclimated to those conditions. I was living with living with blowflies. All I I didn't eat them, but hell, they they were all in the house, and it was like everybody kind of lived in in this happiness together, like kind of a commune. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> a stinky commune. I saw about they they were talking about the peanut allergy. Mm-hmm. I've got a my kids in kindergarten now, mm-hmm. first year. No peanuts, nothing. No peanut candy, nothing. And I heard a guy, he was saying, we are attacking the peanut allergy in the exact opposite way that we should. Instead of isolating, instead of having kids just do away with peanuts, Mm -hmm. we need to slowly get these kids. We basically build up their immunities. If we would just slowly, somebody that might be susceptible to the peanut allergy, if we slowly kind of indoctrinate them, we can get rid of the peanut allergy. Yeah. I'm going to hit this thing all your, night. Your kids are exposed to that, though. Right. Yeah, no, my kids don't have yeah. a peanut allergy, but the, the, the scientist was saying just doing away with peanuts mm-hmm. is going to just propagate the, this will. problem into the I future. I'm not a scientist, but I mean, a, you know, a medical scientist, but I, I believe it. Give them all peanut patties. Yeah. That's right. Mix a little sugar with it and I mean, let them eat. You think about when you were a kid. Did you know anybody that was allergic to peanut butters or peanuts? I no. don't either. Not a, not a kid. No. 
Now, I'm sure there might have been some, yeah. but it's like everything else. We bend over fucking backwards to appease everybody else that yeah. we're ruining our country. By I our, believe it. Not our country, but we're ruining these kids by doing that. How many water hose you drink out of a kid? Oh, my goodness. Ask me how many stock tanks. Yeah. <laughs> how about this? I want me and Michelle watching TV the other day. They drank out of a dang water uh, fountain at a, at, a, at a police station or something we were watching. Uh-huh. Every place I ever went to grew up at Old High. Had a water we drank water fountain every day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's 1,600 kids in there, and if you wanted to drink water, which I'm assuming out of 1,600 kids, at least 1,400 of them were getting to drink out of the water fountain every right, day. Right. Probably more than that. Yeah. Nobody thought nothing of it. No. I mean, today I wouldn't drink out of a stock tank just because of the pesticides. Right. But would you drink out of a water fountain? Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine if you put a water fountain up at Texas Tech, how many people would drink out of it? <laughs> Nobody would. It would they be, would all be scared to death. They'd they'd be like, oh, my God. Yeah. Can you believe they're, they're drinking out of it? They're all oh, using look, their- that old guy's drinking out of the water fountain. He's <laughs> yeah. crazy. You know? they, didn't pu- they, didn't push yeah. their, they didn't push the button and wash their hands. In the 60s, you know, we'd be dri- uh, uh, driving cattle on the ranch, and you just lay down and blow and scare the, the, the water striders away and get you a, a belly full of water. And you look up, and there'd be a damn dead cow on the other end of the tank. You go, wow, I didn't know that, you know, but the water was good. <laughs> you didn't think about things didn't like think that. About we it. weren't scared no. about stuff. The only thing I wouldn't drink was jip water because that, that, was, that was bad st- tasting stuff. It'd make you sick. How would you know it was jip? Oh, you tasted it. Just fill up, a, put about three tablespoons of salt mm-hmm. in a glass of water, stir it up real good, and drink it. That was, you, that was that'll gi- do it. That's jip water. That'll, that'll yeah. clean you out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who was the guy that died out here in the in a stock tank? He was an old. He was an old cowboy. Bradley. Bra- oh that yeah, was, yeah. That was uh, that was Big and Biggin. Bradley. He was yep. a, a first Marlboro man. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. first. Now they don't ever really know what happened to him. He was he he just gone out that day and well um uh he see my dad worked worked him for a while. He they worked for daddy and um. And there was a propensity to to um, ride a horse hard. And he was on a young horse that day, a young bronc. And sometimes if a bronc got a little too salty, you would ride them into water where they couldn't buck mm-hmm. and settle them down. And this tank had a drop-off, and that horse went in. And my dad always told my brother and I, never ride your horse into a tank that you don't know and if you do and the horse goes down if you can't swim the first thing he's going to do if you get off he's going to try to get on top of you just like a man mm-hmm. he said the first thing you do is to slide off the back and grab him by the tail until he drowns or he pulls you to safety but never try to swim away from him because he's just going to follow you. he's going to follow you and get on top of you he's just like a man he, he wants out and and you're the and you're the safety you know you're the you're the boat right and uh they said he had uh, uh some bruises on his head where he was pawed in the head so more than likely he he, he separated from the horse and he just turned around and pawed him knocked him out and he both drowned now him and danny mack were big running buddies weren't they i'm not sure of that i'm not totally sure but i'm sure i i'll bet you they were yeah because i've heard danny i've heard danny at thanksgiving and everywhere yeah, yeah. but daddy worked him for a while he worked day worked when he when he left the four cities and he was yeah. the first marlboro man he was uh, one of the first Marlboro men, yes. And then Donnie Ryder, who just passed away, was one also, right? He was a, he was a Marlboro, as was uh, Mike uh, Morehouse. Okay. How did they find him? They'd go to stock shows, uh-huh. and they'd have a photographer, and you'd have like a, you know, a guy that just knew faces, and they'd just walk around and go, yeah, he's got a good chisel face. Let's ask him. 
and they'd set them up against the wall and just take a picture of them. And then they would send it back to, uh, I believe, uh, to an ad agency in Detroit, I believe, and uh, or Chicago, one of the two. I know one of the photographers was from Chicago because I met him. And, uh, and they'd, they'd check them out and say, let's check this guy out and ask him if he wants to be a Marlboro man. Would they pay him? Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, the last I heard, and this was a long time ago, they were getting 1000 bucks a day. This was back in the 70s. So they, right? they weren't getting paid like 15000 or 20000 a year. They were just getting a day? A day rate, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I understand. That was $1,000 a day back then. It was a shitload of money, though. In 75, they did a Marlboro shoot uh, about a mile west of where, where I grew up, and my dad and mom still lived out there, and, and I spent about three days – with them on that shoot and shot some pictures, you know, just for, cause my daddy was in it. And, uh, there was, uh, Dean Myers and then Daryl Winfield out of Wyoming where the two Marlboro and the redheaded guy with the mustache. Mm-hmm. He was the one. And then Dean Myers from Seymour was the other. Dean Myers. Um, one of my good friends, John Ballard, his dad was a cowboy mm-hmm. and national finals guy. And his dad and Dean were good friends. Cause mm-hmm. he used to always talk about the Marlboro man. Mm-hmm. And that was the name. And I've always wanted, and that's the name Dean Myers. Yeah. He was from Seymour. Yeah. yeah. Him and him and Mr. Ballard were friends. Yeah. So who are the, which one on the, on the screen right there? The one uh, on the bottom one, left is the bottom redhead. left is Daryl Winfield. This yeah. one right there. Yes. That's Daryl Winfield. And above that and above that. Right. Oh, right there. Yeah. He's that's Daryl Winfield. He lived on the, uh, Sioux reservation, I believe. And was married to a Sioux woman, I think. Uh, that's what I. That's what Donnie told me. Yeah, where, and, he, and he was wonder, a super nice guy, super nice guy. Wonder where. So that would probably be him, also, uh, right there. Yes, that's him with a mustache, and that's him. The next one to the right's also Daryl. Oh, right there. I'm so yeah. old. I remember when these these were in all the magazines. Yeah, you don't see yeah. this. Any, could you <laughs> no. imagine a cigarette commercial today? Yeah, yeah. there's no way. I, I still have. I still have that advertisement they shot. Really? A, it was a it was a four po, uh, four page foldout. It came out in uh, several magazines, including Playboy, <laughs> and uh, might have been where I got it. But I have it framed at home. I'll be damned. Yeah, oh, there's there's, there's Biggin right there. Which one is he? Yes, that's Biggin. Yeah, that's that's Biggin. Biggin. Yeah, yeah. He had the he had the yeah. he is a big creased up cat. Yeah. What was uh? I mean, was he? How was he socially? Was he a nice guy? Was he tough Biggin? to get? Yeah, Biggin. Biggin. I never spent any time around him. Daddy did. Yeah. And uh, I just didn't know how you get a nickname like Biggin yeah. unless you kind of carry a big stick or if you're just a larger fella. I know that he rode a horse I broke one time on the 60s and ended up uh, the horse got killed. Uh, I named the horse Bronk. Just Bronk. And uh, Daddy sold him to the 460s and Biggin was riding him when he got killed. They, they pulled a trailer through a gate that had a wire over the top and it caught the horse in the throat and mm. killed him. Yeah. Oof. What do you, what do you think about the new TV show going to be filmed out there that they're saying? Have you heard about this? Yeah. On sixes. The yeah. sixes. Yeah. So I think they're going to do a spinoff yeah. of Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Yeah. Are they going to film it in Guthrie? Yeah. I had a guy call me a couple weeks ago and I guess he was a lo- uh, location guy mm-hmm. and was asking about the lodge and stuff for putting people up and maybe mm-hmm. I don't know what the I just I gave I talked to him for a little bit I ain't never heard back from him I don't know if I'll ever hear from him again yeah. but yeah. anyways and that's when I first realized that this thing really must be going to be going on then. It's got, I understand it's going to happen and it's going to be filmed in 
in our area. On the four sixes. On the four sixes. Yeah. Well, they'll film some stuff outside. Oh, of I'm like sure they, do. they will. Yeah. I've yeah. been to the, me and Michelle went to that by that ranch in uh, where they film Yellowstone at. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a damn tourist trap now. I bet it is. And I bet it I, is. the four sixes, I guess, will probably be the same. Oh way. my goodness, you know it will. They had an article on good uh, good housekeeping Yellowstone spinoff uh, yeah. series coming. Everything we know about it's just going to be called Four Sixes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I I saw that recently, but I thought it was I thought. Somebody was saying that they filmed an episode of Yellowstone. They did. Got they did. Oh, they, they did. did do that too. They did. Yes. So, so that might be the link. I don't know if it was a whole episode. They filmed. Well, they filmed part, part of one. Of it. Right. Yeah. Right. right. It was just right. a piece of one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they filmed one at. Uh, is there is four six is also in the Panhandle? Got somewhere. Mm-hmm. somewhere? Mm-hmm. They filmed some of it up there also. Okay. Yeah. At Borger. Yeah. Yes. And so, but anyways, yeah, they're supposed to be filming a bunch of it down here, which would be good for our, be good for our local economy. Oh, it will. It will. I wonder if we're going to get what's that chick's name that's on there? Beth Dutton. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to get a Beth Dutton out here. <laughs> you know, we had an opportunity, and hunting season is not good for us, but we had an opportunity to interview <clears throat> Rip. Yeah, what's his name? Oh, yeah, Cole Hauser. Cole Hauser. And we were too busy and couldn't yeah. get it done. They contacted. He, he came out with a new movie or some wrestling movie, and they contacted us about putting him on the show. And I heard just, he was a nice guy. I th- yeah, real he's, nice. He's guy. a hunter and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I know a lot of them guys are liberals on there. I'm not a big mm-hmm. Kevin Costner fan, but I love his. Yeah. I love his, the person he portrays on the show. Yeah, yeah. Okay, why can't you be like that? I mean, that's really? a good guy instead of being a liberal uh, twat. I agree. But yeah, but this show here, if it comes, if it's a big hit, it will be really good for our economy. I mean, oh yeah. yeah and there are some batshit crazy women around here, so there is a Beth Dutton <laughs> in our area. <laughs> <laughs> I don't doubt it. <laughs> now I heard uh, rumors that Cronky might purchase the sixes also. Uh-uh. Okay. Is it sold already? Must be. It's in contract. <laughs> that, so it is? That's good. It's on contract. Good. good. That, that's a good thing then. Yeah. We don't need him owning anything else out here. He owns uh, enough out here. He's uh, but but he's not he's not mighty. Good. Good. Yeah, that was just that was just You know when you talk quiet, they still hear you. <laughs> 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 but I am glad that it's under contract by yeah. somebody else then. Yeah. Well I I you know I I understand. I, I just don't know. I, I, we got you. I don't know everything. Gotcha. We, 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 we got wink, you. Wink, wink. But I'm yeah. glad. But I, but I am glad that he's not doing yeah. it. Yeah. That's that's good. I don't. I still can't believe they've got Lake Diversion shut down like they do. And I'm surprised I just Lake heard that, open. I heard. I just when he first got it, I just heard that it was it was going to happen. I hadn't heard any more. I don't know. They shut down Lake Diversion. All those people they, they lived shut there it down. kicked them all out. Well, I heard. Uh, I know from some of the cowboys. When I was shooting the book on the Wagner, that Lake Diversion was basically a methamphetamine headquarters. Oh, I wow. think I think that that's very true. There were some good people out there. Yeah, yeah. But the majority of it, I think, is exactly what yeah. it was. Because they would see them out and out in the pastures. Yeah, you know, think, out there. I think they had a lot of trouble there, yeah. and but, they weren't hiking for their health. No, <laughs> yeah. not at all. But I'm surprised. That, but I felt sorry for the people that lived there that weren't that way. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that. I would not be surprised if they went in there and built a big resort, though. Mm-hmm. It's pretty water. So I've never been to Diversion. It's, it's pretty. It's got yeah. some pretty water on it. Yeah. It's about like Kemp. It's kind of a desolate place, but yeah. you could go in yeah. there and clean it up and build a nice hotel and a golf course around it. Yeah, yeah. And jet set those, build a private rental. Because he's hanging out with them kind of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's not a lot of places that you can buy and get three lakes in the property no, that you own 100% no. of all the routes. That's right. And I'm really surprised Lake Kemp's kept, that he hasn't locked it down yeah. yet. I I heard that it's there were levels of it that he did, but I 
I'm just I'm out of the loop on it. I don't know. So what? So obviously, where we get our water from, Miller Creek, that's man-made. I mean, mm-hmm. diversion. That's everything's everything's man-made. man-made. Mm-hmm. Lake Caddo, mm-hmm. I think, is well, the only lake yep, in Texas. I think that's, that's right. That's natural. Yeah. Even Davis up, every, up around Benjamin. Oh yeah, everything. Oh, every lake in Texas is yeah. man-made. Yeah. They built they built Davis when I when I was out there in uh, 1960. They started in '59, finished in '60, and it filled up overnight. Really? Yeah. They figured it would take years, mm-hmm. and I still remember Dad coming to school and picking us up like it was in September, and saying, uh, "Y'all come on, I'm gonna, I'm going to take you. To, the lake's full." And we uh, right there at Pate's mm-hmm. barn, uh, as you go across that bridge, there's probably 18 inches of water coming over the highway right there. That's good rain. Oh, big rain. <laughs> and we drove out to the lake, and that spillway was just exploding. It looked like a nuclear bomb out the back. It was totally full. So it, so everybody out here in the 1800s was solely reliant on springs and rivers. Springs and rivers and uh, playas. Playas would fill up. Wetlands, yeah. I read that the um, settlers, when they would cross the Texas Panhandle, if they would hit it in a dry year, a lot of them would die from thirst. It's and called the Great it, American no, Desert. Yeah, and then when it, the, the wet years, it would be. Yeah, the Great American Desert. Uh, in 1870... Seven, I believe, is when uh, John Cook and some other buffalo hunters actually went and rescued um, some of Nolan's soldiers who were after some Comanches that got off of the reservation. And they headed over to uh, uh, Bull Lake, I believe, over going to be kind of southwest of Lubbock. And... Uh, and a lot of the buff- uh, the Buffalo soldiers, uh, or Nolan soldiers, and I think they were Buffalo soldiers out of Fort Griffin, they uh, they were pretty well st- nearly starved to death. In fact, they had already killed their horses, drank the blood, mm-hmm. and uh, and then pinned the, the note on their chest and gave their names and had their saddle blankets over their faces when they found them. And uh, John Cook, they killed an antelope and cleaned the, the stomach and filled it full of water at Yellow House Canyon and went out and rescued these guys. Wow. wow! I didn't realize that they would drink the blood of the horses. Yeah. I can't. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was about the Donner Party. I was. I was reading oh, about. Yeah. Donner and Party I think that they said that they would also do that, uh, just in dire straits. Anything well, liquid. Why, but why were they doing that at the Donners? They had it snow up to their ass, didn't they? Yeah. Maybe, I think maybe, they just drank each other's blood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a have you have you researched that right now? I've read I've read the book. The only, it's been hunger. years ago. That's yeah. what that's what I was the reading. Donner maybe Expedition. it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe I'm getting everything confused. But yeah. I, I did not realize that they would drink the blood. I didn't realize that yeah. there was much uh, hydration by drinking yeah. horses. I didn't blood. either. But I guess if it's wet, if you drink. If you're in bad straits, and you'll drink just about yeah. anything. You know, the sad thing is, is a lot of those across the plains up there, if they would took in a shovel and dug 12 feet they've got <laughs> some right. water that's right and we got a lot of water at the lodge here it's 13 foot deep you got good water yeah and you know it was that way there in a lot yeah. of places yep those so poor what? people they just listened to the wrong guy they just oh oh the donner party yeah oh yeah they, they just took that wrong route they thought thought it was a closer route yeah. and it, it was across some of the most you know formidable country in, in the mountains that's yeah. a place i haven't been yet that's around Truckee, california isn't it i'm not donner sure pass. uh donner pass yeah I think I, it's somewhere up there. I know they cross the Great Salt Lake. I think their tire tracks or wheel tracks are really? still. I think they're oh, still wow. in the sand somehow. Man, that, that's just so fascinating. You see that stuff. I've seen it in the Panhandle, Texas panel up on the Canadian, where um, a portion of the Santa Fe Trail that extends down into the Panhandle and all the wagon tracks are still cut. Mm-hmm. 
And if you'll get uh, pretty close to New Mexico line, but it's still in Texas, and you can see as uh, the, the, you know, the hills, the grassy hills, and you can see it's wide as a four-lane highway. You can still see the wagon tracks as they meander into the west. It's amazing. Pick up lead line cans. That's, that, that's what uh, we went to. Uh, is this the picture you're talking about, kind of like right, right there? Uh, sort of like that, yeah. That's, that kind of looks like around Dodge City, Kansas. I've seen I've seen wagon tracks like that. In fact, the uh, Fort Bascom, uh, Fort Smith uh, wagon trails like that in the northern pan and north of the Canadian. I mean, it's like it's like five feet deep in places. Wow. And of course, I'm sure a lot of it is erosion. Mm-hmm. But I have a photograph uh, when I was shooting the Texas Rivers book. And I tackled the Canadian first, and uh, once I found Alvin Lynn, who was my guide. Uh, we got into a chopper and flew up there, and I shot aerials. And I mean, it just meanders across the plane forever. That that, uh, that well, there, trail. there's not bigger wasteland in the world between Liberal Kansas and Canadian Texas. <laughs> it's pretty rough. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But we went we went skiing uh, two weeks ago. I guess we went to Red River, and it's an eight hour car ride. Yeah, I was ready to strangle my kids. I couldn't imagine setting out from from Missouri, and we're going to head out west and make it to California. Those kids mind it better than your kids do. What are you going to do with them for a three-month trek? I mean, they got the crap beat out of them a lot. I mean, they were they were had chores and shit to do by the time they were three. That's right. And and in the in that ordeal by hunger book, they because you know we would go ten miles and somebody was hungry or thirsty. Yeah. And of course, you know they're running low on food. They said it was so bad they would flatten a bullet and the kids would suck on that bullet just to kind of get something in their mouth to make them salivate a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my kid can't make it thirty miles without needing a drink. I just I just can't believe that you can be anywhere in this country and you can't find something to eat to kill. And I know there are places like yeah, that, but yeah. I just, I watch these survival shows on TV and stuff. Yeah. You're a piss poor hunter or fisherman if you can't find something to eat or drink. Some, some, it may not taste good, but you can eat <laughs> you it. You can find yeah. something to eat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, this field in front of the house, you could find something to yeah, eat you right got here. a mouse or something. There's something <laughs> out there, and that just blows my mind. And those people were, I don't know much about the Donner fan. I, you should party. read the book. Are they hunters? Yeah. I've got the book they were, at the house. I, no, I don't. They I don't were remember. farmers, I believe. I think, in, like in you know, more domestic. Yeah. And maybe they. But what? What? You're not going to starve. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I tell you what amazes me uh, when you read some of the historical accounts of some of the early pioneers, especially the hill country, is how many of the people were not armed. You know, talking yeah. about that, I don't remember hearing any reading anything about the Donner Party having. Yeah. Ammunition. You just hey. said they were giving the kids bullets. Well, that's true too. So I guess they but, did. But it's like it's like um, uh, you will read. Um, uh, let's see, Will Barger's account of uh, of the Indian raids in Texas. Uh, Will Barger's is the last name. N- a darn good book. Uh, very factual. Um, and I suggest anybody who really wants to see some facts about the Indian raids, especially in the Hill Country, get Will Barger's book on the Indian uh, the Indian attacks in in uh, Hill Country. Uh, but he tells about, uh, you know, these guys would leave and nobody would have any guns. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. They'd leave their wives at home and they might have an old shotgun or something that, you know, and, and, and then they would just, they wouldn't shoot. They just let them come on in. And it's just, it's crazy. It's called, you know, you ought to know what they're going to do to you. Yes. Yeah. Shoot, at least make a showing. Yeah. yeah you, you got one chance and you better yeah. kill somebody. Make a showing, man. <laughs> that's exactly right. Did, uh, uh have you have you done have you been down the Devil's River? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's it looks like a beautiful place. It is. I've seen it on TV. I've ne- I didn't even know anything about it till about ten years Devil's ago. Devil's River is an incredibly beautiful river. In fact, I've got to shoot. Uh, I've got to shoot a forty thousand acre place down on Devils here uh, in the future. How far? How how long is that river? I'm not sure. I have been from Dolan Falls to what they call Sage, which is a like a two day run on a canoe. Uh, I believe day and a half, two days, of uh, shooting for a magazine story. Um, then I've been, I've been, I spent a lot of time at Dolan Falls, which is the the most. What is it? Has more volume of water than any waterfall in Texas. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, it has to be one of the best treasures in Texas that not very many people know about. Yeah, it is, but it's a long ways off the road. It's the reason you're not going to see it. Twenty six miles on a dirt road uh, to get to it. Uh, yeah, actually, that to get to the gate. To go into the wildlife management area, and then you got to drive to the, then you can't go to the falls unless you get to the nature conservancy and get their permission because it's a locked gate, and you have to get their permission you have to go get their further. permission to go in, and and it goes into Lake Amistad, right? Yes, yes. So how far is that from Mexico then? The Devil's River does it start out in Mexico or is it coming? No, no, the wrong no. Way? Devil's River starts up, you know, in Ozona up in okay, that region. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. So it's yeah. not ain't Amistad on the border. Amistad's on the border. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm trying to look at it now, but I can't get the damn state to come up. I can just get Sonora. That. I think Sonora is where the devil is going to head, somewhere up in that Sonora country. Yeah, I'm getting it now, and it's coming up, and it's showing it now. So it's yeah. coming up from, like, Sonora. Uh, yeah, yeah. Loma Alta, Juno, a place I never heard Juno, of. Juno, yeah, yeah. That is a really cool place, but it, it comes from way up. It does start up by Juno's where it starts up yeah. at. You got the dry devils, and then you've got the devils. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, it's a pretty oh, place. It's, it's incredible. In fact, I'm surprised because because I've probably taken the most incredible shot of Dolan Falls that's been shot that's been taken. In fact, uh, I gave it. It was to uh, the Nature Conservancy has it, and uh, it should be on there because it, I mean it was, and I've been there numerous times. Is this where you did your your? Your class, my class, and and see, okay, see that 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 image up there, Dolan Falls Preserve Nature dot org, yeah, and that, and that white water you got your, your yeah right, right here. there, yep. Uh, one of my students nearly drowned there. Oh really? Yeah. What happened? See the rocks. Okay, yeah. we arrived one day, and I told them all. I said, okay, the light's not good. Everybody, chill out. You know, get you a beer, do what you're going to do, swim a little bit, and chill out until the light gets good, and then we're going to start shooting. Mm-hmm. Well, I laid down on the rocks there to get a little sun, just kind of taking it easy. And one of the co-eds came up and said, hey, won't you, we're going to take a picture. And uh, some of us jumping in, so what would you jump in with? I said, I don't, you know, I'm not a big water guy, mm-hmm. but I can swim. Uh, my, my mama was always afraid that we would drown in a stock tank. So she made sure that we were little kids get swimming lessons. Right. But I'm not a water freak. Mm-hmm. I don't just gravitate to water. I don't like it either. And so uh, even if there was a giant lake here, I would not have a cabin. And so anyway, I said, I, I really don't want to jump in the water. It was cold. Yep. The water was cold, even though it was May. And so, oh, please, please jump in. with. All right, I'll jump in. So we all <laughs> hold hands, you know, the instructor and several students. And then the guy, the person with the camera said, okay, one, two, three, jump. And so we jump. And it's you can see it's probably eight or nine, eight feet maybe to the water. Right. And it's probably 20 feet deep. Mm-hmm. Right there, twenty feet deep. Right where the water Straight is. Right where the water hits the rock, it's twenty feet deep. Straight up, 
and so as I and when you go down, I mean, you keep coming up, coming up, <laughs> and all of a sudden you you come to the top. And I heard someone say, "What's wrong, Robert?" And so I turn around, and one of the students is gasping for air, and he's going down, coming up, going down, coming up. I can't swim. I can't breathe. What the, what the hell? You jump in the water for? It, it was uh, the frenzy of the moment. What the hell? He thought he was going to learn how to everybody, swim. Everybody <laughs> was going, hey, I, I want to be part of the job, you know? Shit. And so I'm going, okay, we got an issue right now. Big one. That's big time. If I if I swim up and grab him, he, he outweighs me 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. We're going down for good. Yep. For keeps. So I swam up behind him, and I put my left hand under his armpit just to give him some buoyancy, and I said, everything is going to be okay. I said, Turn around and paddle as hard as you can toward that wall right there. And so I started paddling with one hand, and he was paddling and gasping and coughing. And I got him to the wall, and there's little eroded holes that's just big enough for your fingers. I said, get your fingers in those holes. I can't, I can't. I said, yes, you can. Get your fingers in the holes. So he got his fingers in a couple of holes, and then one of the students, we had one life jacket. One of the students threw the life jacket in the river, and a grad student swam out to get it, and we got it on him, and then I was so weak, I couldn't swim. Jeez. And so you have to swim probably, I'd say, 20 yards around to this lower left-hand corner Mm -hmm. to a point where you reach up like two feet and hoist yourself out of the water because it's like 10 to 15 feet deep straight down. And so I just rolled over on my back and backpedaled until I got around to that point, and I barely had enough energy to pull myself out of the water. And whenever he come walking by a little while later, he said, thanks for saving me. I said, stay away from the river. <laughs> <laughs> Don't jump in again. Stay away There's from the, the river, buddy. picture on the bottom. So is this, which one? Hey, which one on the left? Yeah, the, the snow picture. That's mine. Uh, the lower left is mine. Uh, let's see. What the, about a devil's river? The, uh, the, uh, there, there's hey, okay. this picture of you. There's uh, there's that? okay that's us and we're we're doing a stunt shot okay with the girls and stuff yeah yeah we're doing a stunt shot oh, on the uh, the Lano okay um, so those hot chicks in your class uh, most of them were yeah I don't know why but I had <laughs> I had a lot of girls <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's one of my students with a Texas Tech cap on okay yeah yeah and then uh, the Paladier shot at night that's mine. This one right uh, here? To the left of, of me, yeah. I still can't believe the sucker jumped in the water. Yeah. I'm a swimmer. Water don't yeah. scare me at all, yeah. at all. So it didn't bother me. But for someone, yeah. well, I can't swim. Yeah. What the? It, it was just the frenzy right. of the, as, uh, the excitement of, the you know, everybody. Wanted to be in the picture. Jump in the water. He wanted to be in the picture. <laughs> I was with a guy that did that at the lake one time, and yeah. we were in 30 foot of water at a, at a dock, kind of a, a dock off, at, and we're, everybody's jumping in and stuff. And he kind of falls over. He's got a life jacket on, but he's got it done like on his legs, and he's uh-huh. flailing. I go, what are you doing? I said, on what his legs. Doing? Yeah, I kind of said, I go, what are you doing? Oh, I can't swim. I go, what are you doing? I said, put that freaking life jacket on you. I said, my fat ass is the only person that can go down and save you, and I don't want to have to go down 10, 15, 20 feet try to grab you. Yeah, right. Because you know? if you start fighting me down there, buddy, you're on your own. You're on I'm your coming own. back up. <laughs> yeah. How hard yeah. is that water falling into that river? It's in. It's unbelievable. It's a it's a thunder. Beat the really? hell out of you. It's a thunder. One of my students was a former Marine. Mm-hmm. He just gotten out of the Marines, and I told him before I got there, and this was the either the previous year or the next year, 
And then after that, I stopped teaching because I was just like, you know, third, three years, you know, tit that toe three in a row. Yep. And so um, I told him before I got there, I said, now you guys do not walk in the river above the falls because it's like walking on glass. And he did. And he washed his feet after him and he went over the falls. Mm. And we saw him go down, go under a big boulder and didn't come up mm. in that, in that white frothy water. And I'm going, we're all sitting there going, you know, come on, two, three, come on, come on, come on, come on. And he was strong, and he said, I saw daylight, and he said, I kicked toward the daylight and pushed himself out from under that boulder. So I that's what it drowned probably. Uh-huh. You know. Um, that's my biggest fear. So y'all, y'all were on a canoe trip, and y'all just had one life jacket? No, that was my class. And, okay. and we were there just to shoot photographs. So you just drove in there. Right. No, on that in. canoe trip that I shot the magazine story for, uh, everybody had, uh, had life jackets, yeah. I see that on Lone Star Law. They're, they're there. They were there the other day. Oh, really? Yeah, and they were, she was, they were going through. They, had, they go down there at nighttime. Yeah. The guy that runs that place and that lady, that, there's a lady lifeguard, or lifeguard, lady game warden. Uh-huh. She works Amistad in that. And him and her go down there at nighttime, and they check campsites at night. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Now you got some balls to go canoeing down that thing at nighttime. Yeah, there's some there's some pretty wicked water. Uh, I remember uh, we hit a rapids at one point, <laughs> and so I would always get out of the canoe and take all my camera gear because I didn't trust you know uh, staying staying afloat. And so I said, I'll meet you guys below the rapids and I'll get back in. And so my buddy was <laughs> canoe was in the canoe. <laughs> I know he had a Walter pistol with him and everything. And and his canoe came crashing down through there, and he just went up on a boulder just like this <laughs> and just kind of poised there, and it just went over. <laughs> I, mean, he, I mean, he was totally immersed. His pistol was wet. We lost a table, a chair, you know, like 10 feet of water. And then when we uh, righted the, the canoes, we headed on down the river. You know. They they say it's a cool place, but if it wasn't if it was not so isolated, it would be yeah. a really big tourist yeah. place. Uh, another point about that river is there's a lot of um, hostile landowners, and okay. everywhere you go down that river, if you try to camp, well, there's a per- rocks painted purple. No camping, and I don't no blame camp. them. No if I owned that ranch, I'd be hey, the same way. I don't, I don't, you know, because I've I've seen what some people can do. They trash it and they do trash it, it up. You bet. I bet a deer lease on that place in that area is pretty expensive. Probably is. Because they say it's some good fishing in there, too. Oh, man. You talking about uh, smallmouth bass? You bet. It's a beautiful place. You bet. On the Pecos. uh, You know, everybody goes over the Pecos up around, you know, know, below uh, Crane and places like that. And it's like, you know, good God. Hey, you get down below... you get down below the uh, Independent Spring, uh, where the, the confluence of the Independent Spring, and where it comes into the Pecos, and that is one beautiful river, gorgeous river, deep blue water, and some some serious rapids. And that's where, and that would be south of Crane. Yes, that, oh. that's that's the ugly part. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I never knew about it either. Texas yeah. is a neat place. Yeah, you go to Fort Stockton from uh, from uh, uh, Middle Odessa, uh-huh. and you cross that 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 uh, uh, Pecos River, and you think, "Geez, that's that's the <laughs> armpit of the world." It's yeah, not, you go down the river, and it's gorgeous. Really? Yes. I would have never thought that. I know my brother. He worked out <clears throat> in Pecos for a while, and he said it is a terrible mm-hmm. just armpit of armpit of Texas. Yep. Um. 
I want to go back to so another thing that I had heard, and maybe you can shed some light on this. A lot of the big ranches that we see that have popped up in Texas mm-hmm. in the late 1800s, post Civil War, mm-hmm. is there any truth that a lot of those people were just cattle rustlers that dodged the Civil War? That I don't know. Okay, I can't say. I can, <clears throat> I can I can do some investigating. Yeah, I don't know that. I know, you know, of course, you got your Wagner, uh, you got Burke Burnett, um, those big guys, and they were just they were just good businessmen, right? They were tough. They were ruthless, and that's how they put it all together. Mm-hmm. And uh, but as far as any outlaws making inroads as big ranchers, I, I'm not sure. Well, not, not not so much outlaws, but they they got they did not they just dodge the civil war. They dodge the civil yeah. war, and what would happen is a lot of these homesteads they would go off and fight. Nobody to yeah, tend yeah. to the cows, so they would be just loose cows yeah. everywhere. Yeah, and. Uh, I know that that during the Civil War, that's when a lot of this wild this wild cattle occurred, especially in right. San Antonio, uh, the uh, wild horse desert region. Lots of uh, stuff cropped up down there because of that. There is, if you accumulated two, three, four hundred thousand acres back in the day, there's a good chance there's some illegal activity took place somewhere. Uh, let's just say there was some pretty tough cookies. They yeah, were. To I pull mean, that they, off. Yeah. yeah, you, you, there, there's. Because someone was going to try to screw you if you weren't screwing them mm-hmm. and protecting yourselves. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was dog eat dog world back then. So how would they? That was another thing. So when we on our trip to Red River, we traveled through the XIT, mm-hmm. you know that whole area. That guy, that was a guy from Chicago, I believe, that came and got it. How do they? Oh, the XIT. Even, yeah. Oh, that was a. I think they. That was a bunch of English guys, Brits. How do they even they hear that, that that there's going to get that they have an opportunity for land in Texas in I the Texas know. Panhandle? They had the money, and 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 the Texas had a big wide open country, and they it was cheap, right? And they bought three or four million acres, and and then lost their butts. How, what did how did that all end up dissolving? What happened on that? I think uh, I think the winter of 1886 or 1887 or 84. Something like that. The winter of the mid 1880s uh, pretty well knocked them out. I mean, it was the XIT was very short lived. Yes. yes, yes, very short lived. And I think that that one winter really because it pushed cattle all the way to the Pecos River. How, how many how many acres was it at its biggest time? Oh, good gracious! Uh, oh, a couple hey. of million, maybe ten. It, million? Is it ten million? Is that how it, they got XIT? It might have been. It went all the way to Lubbock. From, I mean, it was from basically from Dalhart. Yes, and the whole basically the whole block of the Panhandle, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, I've been to the headquarters. There at uh, there at, there's a there's three a, million acres. Three million. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's Texas six times six times bigger than the Wagner, or five times bigger. That's a uh, that's a uh, huge that's chunk of land. Country, yeah. But not a lot of water. The headquarters had a lot of water. There's beautiful. I believe it's called Coldwater Creek runs through there. And I went up there and shot a one shot for a magazine story one time with a, in a helicopter, and we landed. And uh, one of the old last headquarter buildings was still there, and I shot that. Is Adobe? Where was their headquarters at? Was it Miami? No, no, it's uh, north of Delhart. What little town was it? They had no town. <clears throat> I was thinking Miami, Texas, was no. part of the XIT too. It, it might have been part of it, but the headquarters is north of Delhart. Was north of Delhart? Yes. We did a restaurant there all the time. It's pretty good. XIT restaurant. It's XIT restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I just can't. Facebook wasn't around back then. How do these guys from overseas in Chicago or wherever they came from, how the hell do they end up in Texas? I'm like, yeah, 
Yeah. They, well, they, you we'll know, they, they were big uh, with uh, uh, Goodnight. Yeah. And they were big with uh, with that bunch and uh, his his bunch. And uh, they just had a lot of money. I don't know where they got it, but uh, they lost a lot of money, too. Now, how did that – now, what was the deal going to be that they they bought that? No, you're good. Um, they they purchased the XIT so that they could put the capital in Austin, or were they going to put the capital up there? I think uh, some of the – what was it? Or maybe they traded they, land. They traded rock, the stone quarried rock or something. It has to do with XIT, I believe. I believe you're right. Yeah. I can't remember, but it's just... its just yeah, There is a connection there, but I don't... Re- it's been years since I've read that. How long did that ranch make it? Ten years? Oh, no, XIT? I, don't, I don't even know if it... I don't know. It, 1885 it was, to 1912, yeah, 1912, I'm looking at it. Yeah. yeah. But the majority long. of it was done by the 1900s. Yeah. It probably, was in yeah, a, It was in the 1880s that that storm, that, that winter storm uh, killed so many cattle, and they never could recover from it. Now, you... Have you ever seen a storm this late? The last one that we uh-huh, had uh-huh. in February. Have you ever seen one that late? I've seen of snow that, of that severity. No, no, that's the no. biggest one no. ever. No. I've never seen it. I've, we had in ninety in, in eighty two. It was longer, mm-hmm. but it wasn't this cold. And the wind blew more in eighty two, but it wasn't this 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 cold. See, I don't remember the wind blowing that much in eighty two. <coughs> I remember it was a cold oh, son of a gun. Oh shoot! But, man, I, but I remember that. Well, wind I was in very school. Well. I was in school still, yeah. so I don't remember that. But I do remember my my dad always thought it was longer than it was. That was no, that was the one. Of, yeah, eighty two. Yeah, it would wear him out because he used to tell us it, it froze at Thanksgiving, and, and then when I saw yeah. the deals of it, I'm like, no, it wouldn't yeah. have been that long. He was dead, but I couldn't argue yeah. with him. But well, I remember I was in South Texas. Uh, down by Falfuris on the La Paloma. And I went down there usually before Christmas and stayed about 10 days. And uh, and the day I got there, I remember I, I remember vividly I shot an outdoor life cover. And it was kind of a kind of a springish day, overcast, warm, typical South Texas in December. And the next day I got up and there were icicles hanging off off of the the bunkhouse I was in, so I called home and they I said what is the weather doing there? And they said well it's five degrees and the wind's blowing thirty miles an hour and it's snowing. <laughs> and when I got home, it had not let up. And uh, and I went out to Horseshoe Tank, and the water I mean the the ice was like twelve inches thick. And I walked out on the Horseshoe Tank and sat down under a willow tree. And sat there for like an hour and a half or two hours photographing geese that had one little hole mm-hmm. out in the middle of that <clears throat> tank. And I sat there and shot probably 15 rolls of film of those geese coming in and landing. They'd see me and they'd keep going just around and around. And I still have those images of all that snow, driving snow in the wind. Well, it was a cold, cold, miserable time, though. That's tough. Because I remember uh, one rancher came to me and said, uh, uh, I've got, I forgot how many cattle in this one field and I've got, X number of uh, pit tanks, and I can't keep up with uh, knocking holes in the ice. And he said, do you have any dynamite? And at the time, I was, I was working some dynamite. And so I took, I remember, some uh, 80% extra gel, and it was frozen, and I had to put it under my heater in the pickup to, to thaw it. <laughs> and then we'd tie two or three sticks together, and we'd go out and chop a hole, maybe a foot, a square foot, and in about four feet of water, and I'd drop three sticks, two or three sticks down there, and it would blow a 15-foot hole in the tank, in the water. And we'd go to the next tank and do the same thing. 
How long did that last? That lasted uh, that cold spell. No, no, no. How long did that hole stay oh, open? Oh, about overnight. That's what I say. Next day, yeah, just did next the same day. thing. About yeah, yeah. That sure beats the and hell it, out of trying to ha- hatch them. Well, then of course it, it was maybe three inches thick. The next morning, he could cut it. Somebody had had on someone out from that's from here had posted that their dad would take a five gallon bucket and fill it with diesel mm-hmm. and set it on fire, mm-hmm. and that would keep the water open on one end of the mm-hmm. tank. Yeah. And the cows would drink out of it, and I thought, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty smart. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be a farmer having or a rancher having to cut ice, no. especially in that kind of shit. No, I mean that's no. just miserable. I was doing a lot of uh, uh, coyote photography in this last spell. Yeah, and I was out uh, one morning when it was at its worst. It was uh, minus four, uh, chill index at twenty below zero, and I remember walking out to a stand with my camera and thinking, I just don't know if I can stand this or not. I was. How do you do it? Because I mean, it's not like you have to be so still. So freaking cold, and the wind was just like a hot fire in my face. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking with my head down, and of course I had my camera kind of in the fold of my arms, and uh, and all I had was um, some uh, gear glove, Texas Good gloves, because they were thin. I could feel the my controls on the camera, and I'd keep one hand in my pocket. You know, but, but of course, the other hand I had to call with. And I'd take the call out of my mouth and freeze up instantly. Wow. Take it out, and I couldn't blow on it again. I'd put it back in my mouth and breathe on it, and it would, it would, un, it mm-hmm. would defrost it. And I got lucky because my first call, two coyotes come roaring in. <laughs> and I had to sit there only like five minutes. Did you ever think to yourself, Wyman, you're too damn successful to be freezing <laughs> my ass off like this? <laughs> but I loved it. It was fun. I, I followed you on Facebook through that. Yeah. I mean, it was every morning. It was you great. were it you was every morning I was out. It. I, I like seeing hard. you do that a lot better than I did when you chronicled the drought in 2011. Yeah, me too. I did not like that. And they yeah. say we're going to have a summer like that again this just year. Just don't talk about it. I hope not. Um, we're off to a good start, though. I mean, we just got we that. are. I and hope, they got some more rain I hope, coming the, I hope they're wrong. Is all I'm going to say. Me too. Um, so I mean, I, the the predators they got to just be everywhere during something like that. They, uh, I had pretty good luck uh, calling. Um, uh, of course, the wind blew when the wind was blowing. Of course, they wasn't going to come to the call well. But, but uh, that particular after I only go for a few hours right. in a day, and uh, I think that particular day I called in about three or four that afternoon, and then hit I hit about fifty fifty on my calling stands, but I wouldn't sit long. No hell, you, you can't. Know, it was all you could do set ten minutes. Did I you thought, hear about that guy that died up uh, around Kroll? Was it a Kroll? Yes, yes. Yeah. I yeah. guess the snowstorm yeah, came got, in and just got turned around and, and lost. Got lost. That wasn't the big cold for no, no, snap, no, it though. Was, no, it no, was, was New Year, I think, yeah. was when that one was. Yeah. I saw I saw a coyote in South Dakota at the one of the grasslands right there. Uh-huh. Where there's no trees or nothing. Uh-huh. Most beautiful coyote I've ever seen in my life. I bet he was. Winter coyote in South Dakota in February. I was yeah. like, what a beautiful animal. Yeah. Gorgeous. Just, yeah, I'm yeah. telling you. I was like, that's one to get mounted right there because yeah. don't, don't, we don't see them like that here. No, 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 no. No, it, it, they're, they're different in the panhandle than they are here. They're much prettier in the panhandle. Uh, you can go, you know, 30, 40 miles south, in the, and you can see there's a difference in them. When I used to, when I used to do it a lot in, uh, back in the 70s, the animals that, that were taken in Knox mm-hmm. County versus Dickens County, there'd be like five to ten dollars difference in in the in the uh, in the price of them. You just get better, better quality, better animal. animals toward the the cap rock, higher elevation, colder. Um, 
Just that little difference. Yes. Just 15 miles away. These hunting contests, these varmint contests, which have gotten really, really, really Mm -hmm. popular, Mm -hmm. do you think they're ducking anything on the population much? I mean, I know they are because they're killing some. No, hell no. They're not hurting anything. In fact, fact, they're alienating. They're giving giving, uh, fuel to the Mm anti-hunters. There's a big, I don't know if you heard about it, but there's a big uh, video out. It's gone national uh, the last few days, and it is very negative. And it's on the contest? Yes. It's very negative. And I had one guy come on my Facebook <clears throat> because I'd made a comment on Instagram, I believe. And I told him, I said, guys, you know, you, we got to stick together on this stuff. I said, that's a visual that's not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, killing contests are not good. I'm sorry. Period. They're not good. This is not a time for that. Maybe 40 years ago, but not anymore. And uh, this guy goes, oh, you're a hypocrite. You know, you've killed more coyotes than anybody in the country, and you know, you're against coyote hunting. I'm not against coyote hunting. You know, I don't mind. If somebody wants to go out and try their 22-250 out and call it, find a dandy. But killing contests are bad visuals mm-hmm. and ammunition for anti-hunters, and it's going to get rough. Well, Just watch and see. We're in the minority anymore. Absolutely, and we don't need to advertise to people who are on the fence. Right. And there's a lot of people on the fence. I I don't put any kill pictures out, none. In fact, I don't kill hardly any coyotes anymore. Just a few, just to keep my journals. And I and I and I did a. I came on the Facebook like a couple of days ago, and I said, "Okay, look, hey, this guy came up and he criticized me." In fact, he uh, Ken Zoller out of uh, Midland came on there and said, "Look, he why am I not criticizing you?" the hell are you doing and so he took all his stuff down mm-hmm. i don't even know who he is don't care but i came on here and i and i told him i, I said okay let's this is going to be pretty redundant but here's my history boom yeah i went through all that stuff i i have killed a lot of coyotes to be exact 1809 with a rifle alone wow. and uh but i said i don't do it much anymore because i appreciate the animal i said i started out doing it as a kid what most kids do, they just want to hunt and kill something. Mm-hmm. And then I went into it in the research because I wanted to learn more about their feeding habits. And I killed to get samples for my, my data. And uh, then I went into it after I got out of college as a profession. I needed it to pay my bills. I wanted to get out of school. I wanted to live a, a totally free life. I wanted to live what my heart was speaking. And, and I did that. And then I went through a period of just keeping my notes alive, but I still shot a lot. And now I'm down to, I might kill 10 or 15 a winter just to keep my notes going because I don't want my notes to die. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I feel bad about that. You know. Because I've killed enough. I've done enough of that stuff. The, the contest, I don't have a problem with what the guys are doing. And I, and I, come, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. The optics. It's the same as with the waterfowl hunting videos. Yeah, that yeah. shows a big rainouts of geese, mm-hmm. big rainouts. All you're doing is taking that person that might come hunting one day, mm-hmm. that's on the fence. You're you're, you're pushing some of them off. That's right. And as hunters, yeah. we do need to stick together. We do. And you know, uh, I don't know what the answer is, but we 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 have to try to pull in some of the fence sitters Absolutely. and get them on our side. Absolutely. And, and, and it's the same with uh, people that 
a guy in an outfitter I just read the, the, yesterday in South Dakota had screwed a bunch of guys. I've never been snow goose hunting, late snow goose hunting. This guy screws them over. Don't show up. Don't do nothing. Mm-hmm. These guys never goose hunting that. Now, do you think they're ever going to go back again? They just got fucked out of thousands mm-hmm. of dollars a piece. Yeah. They're never going to go. Yeah. We have to do something to make hunt the non-hunter or the fence jumpers do it. And I could see where that, when you put it that way, like a killing contest, that's right. that is that is really a, a different way it's to... It's bad to, optics, it, bad well, visuals. They think it's just a bunch of bubbas. It, and exactly, it and it's almost like, I mean, I, they've got these damn calling videos where everybody's high-fiving with a gut-shot coyote running off. I mean, right. that's just like, give me a break. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm 70 years old, and I've seen a lot of blood, mm-hmm. okay? That's distasteful to me. Yeah, you know it's and it of course, age is going to do things to you. I'm it's there with age, you. Anyway, it's age is going to do things. I don't, to I don't you. care if I kill anything. Anymore. Yeah, that's me. And and when I when I take a photograph of a coyote, it's like I said the other, told someone I said, look at those eyes. Yeah, you know that that those eyes. That's intelligence. That's wild intelligence. Just like a a wild human being. That's the way the Indians were. You know, twelve thousand years ago, they were wild animals. They have feelings too. You know, yeah, they're going to kill, and, and it's a savage land. They, they don't care how their prey dies. Uh, yeah, they're going to eat uh, calves' tails off. They're going to kill an occasional calf. I do not because I have studied a lot of – I've dug out a lot of coyote stomachs in cattle country, and they do not kill calves like some people like to say they do. Not at all. Uh, they kill Very chickens. Rare. It's, it's pretty, pretty rare. For them. And if they do, it's like one or two animals, and that's it. This and picture so, right here of yours is I, I just. Oh, yeah. That was just the other day. Well, they're, they're, a cow's too big a prey for a coat. Oh, they don't. But just look at, he's looking at you like, oh, I see you over there. You son exactly. of a bitch. I know. I, got I, you. I love that picture. I, lo- I love the animal. And there would have been a time when all I could think about was putting a bullet through his chest. Right. Between his eyes. But now I look through those, those eyes and I'm going, you know what? That's a living creature. He's a predator. He's got a place. And, and. Everybody is successful. I got my picture, and he got to live. Yeah. And everything's gonna is cool. That's just the way I view things today. Now I will, I will uh, continue occasionally. I'll shoot a coyote to put in my journal, put that blood spot, put the date, and someday, twenty years, fifty years, somebody can take that journal and go, "There's that blood spot. I'm gonna take a DNA." Where the are the coyotes fifty years from now the same as they were fifty years ago? Um. What are you going to do with your journals? Are you donating them? What are you I doing? I don't know yet. Your sons want them. I don't know yet. You got a grandson or a son that's going. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, that's they might be fighting over them one day. <laughs> it could be. Uh, you hope so, right? I hope. That's why yeah. you did this. Yeah. Um, They're very. I, I, I talked to one day. I was at a TWA meeting, and the leading expert on ocelots was there at my table, and I was telling him about uh, taking the button head. And they said, well, "Man," they said, "That is some incredible information." He said, I would like to look at your journal someday and perhaps take a DNA sample from all the bobcats and compare them with the cats that I've, and see if there's any difference, any changes have been, have occurred over the years. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, but the, what I originally had done was someone was, was saying, well, those contests, all they're doing is depleting the resources. They're not hurting the population of the cows. No. Anymore, they? And let me tell you, this is something about the contest. And, I, and I've seen it happen. I've, I've, they've showed me what happened. Okay, I've killed 881 bobcats, weighed nearly all of them. The only cat that went over 30 pounds had been eating my brother's chickens for three or four weeks. The only cat. 
He weighed 31 and a half pounds. All the rest of them weighed 28 pounds or less. That's 881 bobcats. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you're getting 35 and 40 pound cats. 43 pounds was the one Give that won this year. Give me a break. Did you see the one cat that I won? I saw that. <laughs> Give me a break. You swelled up more than I am. I ain't buying it. Where there's money, yeah. there's going to be a fix. Someone's feeding that cat. They're feeding them. That, that cat, I've never seen a fat cat in the wild. I guarantee you. Yeah. Nobody killed it except for old government trappers. I've killed as many cats as anybody in the country. A lot of them, most of them steal traps. But I weighed them all and took all this information on them. You can't tell me that there's that many 30- and 40-pound cats out there. Right. I'm sorry. The, uh, yeah, that 43-pound cat was laid next to a regular cat. Uh-huh. And it looked like some bitch been eating Krispy Kreme donuts every morning. <laughs> I mean, I was like, what? So what do you think, they, you think they trapped it and then just uh, I don't know it? what no, they no, can no. fit them to get them that they, fat. What they do is they'll put a game camera up, and they'll find where a cat's running. Oh, okay. And they'll put dead geese, right, right, dead, right, dead right. ducks, and they'll find out what time he's coming. Mm-hmm. They know exactly all of his movements. And then right. at the end, whenever he gets big enough, they go in there and wank, wank, wank. Mm-hmm. What are they going to feed him to get him that fat, though? Ducks and Just geese. Carcasses. That'll make, you, that'll make a, a, a bobcat get that fat. Oh, yeah. I've Chickens never, do. Well, I mean, they just, they just fatten but, but, them up. Yeah, but that's 12 more pounds. That's 25% yeah. bigger body weight than the one you killed at your brother's. It's got to be. I mean, I just don't know what they can do to an, a cat to fatten them up like oh, yeah. that. I wonder if they, uh, surely they check for like lead and all that stuff. No, this cat it, was obese. Yeah. <laughs> this cat wasn't like a big, was, like an oversized cat. This son bitch looked like he's a fat cat. He was obese. Yeah. I mean, look like a fat cat you'd see at grandma's house that eats, uh, that she uh, feeds ice cream yeah. to every night. Yeah. See, I wonder though, like, I wonder if it was like a, a pet almost. I wonder if they yeah. clipped him. Yeah. I don't know. Neutered him almost. Because you hear about that with, it, like, chickens. It's just a theory of mine. But I, but from my notes, I can deduce that something ain't right. right. No, it's not. And everybody in that contest thought something that something right. was wrong. Yeah. When Garfield, the bobcat, comes and <laughs> I mean, it was that fat. He walked up. He didn't oh, even run to the ball. He was winded. And they call him, you know, <laughs> calling call contest. Hell, you know, my six-year-old granddaughter – can can turn on can reach over and click on a the computer button. quicker than I can. Yeah. And all it is is going over and you're setting up in an overhead thing with sandbags where your rifles at rest and it, it's at night and you reach over and turn on an electronic call. Hey, you're not calling. You're you're not showing you're not showing your expertise in calling. Mm-hmm. You're going on a ranch where there where uh, and a rancher is not is not shooting any coyotes. And these coyotes gravitate to feeding grounds, and you've got 10 or 15 coyotes at a feeding ground, and then all of a sudden that night comes, and these guys go out there, and they drive up to a feeding ground and just eh, turn the light on, and there's all these coyotes in it. Poop, 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 poop. <coughs> yeah. Suppressors. And uh, what's, what's, uh, where's, the, where's the skill? Yeah. I know that the Clay and them, their contest Archer City is during the day only. Yeah. And it's shotgun only and it's hand uh, calls. That's 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 more like it. That's daytime only. That's more like it. And hand calls and uh I won't tell you where I was, but Friday morning I called up thirty coyotes in four hours. Whew. Just taking pictures. What uh see I'm I'm getting to where you are with turkeys. Yeah. Because I've noticed the last couple that I've shot. It's a lot like coyote hunting. I don't yeah. know how much turkey hunting you've done, but I've done a lot of turkey calling, but no hunting. I don't even hunt turkeys. When you shoot, 
it's kind of a anticlimactic ending. You're kind of like, well, it is. shit. Yeah. It was such a beautiful, and especially like if they do it right, and there's been times where, I mean, I've called them from, I don't know how many hundreds of yards, and it's a give and take, and it's a pull, and, you know, you're you're talking to him, and you're responding, and it, there's a lot of discourse. And there's a lot of times where I've shot that turkey and been like, yeah, maybe I should have let him go. That's maybe I, I should have. That's that's where I'm with coyotes. And it's a and it's a weird because they taste great, they taste delicious, but it's just I don't know, I don't know what it is about it. But you just see them there, and you're the chase is over almost. You've you're you're uh, <clears throat> becoming more mature. Yeah. Thank yeah. God. I, see, <laughs> there, there it is. But it's just, I don't know. It's a weird I, deal. I didn't think I'd ever get there as a hunter. Yeah. But here I am. And, and I and I still love to shoot. Yeah. I shoot. I love the smell of burned gunpowder. When I pick a cartridge up, I'm target practicing. I'll sit and sniff it. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm looking through the scope, looking at my group, and I'm sniffing a cartridge. <laughs> I love the smell of gunpowder. Women's perfume should be made out of that stuff. I don't realize <laughs> what you're doing. Do you... Uh, the Indians wouldn't kill dogs. Is that correct? Or would they? Yeah, See, I've heard that I'm they eat sure. them, but I've heard they wouldn't kill the dogs. Well, it sounds to know. me like back in the day, they were using dogs to get their stuff everywhere. Yeah. But would they kill coyotes? I think, okay, um, The um, I showed a ranch to the uh, Kickapoo Indians, and the coyotes are, are, um, um, are spiritual animals. So they don't want to kill them. Whitetails, bobcats, and coyotes are spiritual animals. Whitetail deer are. Uh huh. They'll kill whitetail deer, but it's after they afterwards. It's a big ritual afterwards. So they weren't just shooting deer, right? Which we didn't have Everything's deer a big during ritual. the Indian days. We didn't have deer like we do now. Not the populations of them. According to the buffalo hunters, deer were everywhere. Hmm. They were killed out probably by settlers starving to death. Settlers were starving, and they had to have something to eat. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I, I know when I was a kid, there wasn't near the deer there are now. No, 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 60s. If you saw a deer, it was a talk of the town. Yeah. Yeah. When I first came out here, the only deer that they had was around along McFadden Lane. Yep. Well, and that was the only yeah. deer. And that, there were some deer here and there, but that was where yeah. the big deer were. Yeah. You know, it's where Ronnie worked all the time. Yeah. That's where spotlighters were. Yeah. But other than that, you didn't yeah. see deer. And everywhere. that was in when, the 70s? That, uh, no, I didn't get here until the early oh, 90s. Oh, you have been here in the 60s. You're talking about no deer. No, but. but and I hunted, the, I hunted the hell out of them in the 60s with an open sight 30 30. And I would go all winter long. And if you saw one buck, you were lucky. When, when I got here, it was the early 90s. And I would see deer. We would on the the nature trail up on the road up yeah, here. Yeah. You would see it where John uh, Hendricks's place is. Yeah, yeah. I'd see deer there, and then behind the lodge on the river, you'd mm-hmm. see deer. But if you go out in the evening, you might see ten deer down on the river. Yeah. Well, now if you go down there, you might see fifty. Yeah. And between here and the house, uh, between when you leave the lodge and you go towards town at nighttime, mm-hmm. a hundred to two hundred deer is not impossible, right? Or long wow. Deer. I mean, and I'm not I'm not fudging a number yeah, at all. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know that there was the deer population then was real was real prevalent like when the buffalo were here then too. According to the buffalo hunters, uh, deer and wild turkey. They said wild turkey were so thick that you know you could kill hundreds of them. Wow. Just go into a roost and just kill hundreds of them. Of course, they probably went in there and blasted away. Come to, in fact, uh, one buffalo hunter. I can't recall which one it was. Might have been Joe McCombs. I'm not certain, but uh, they were hunting up around. Somewhere around Gale up in there, and they 
some uh, they said some city guys that came out and came into camp, and they killed so many wild turkey that they said they made them eat all of them. <laughs> and they said the guys were sick of them after a few, after a few days. They said they killed they they just massacred all these turkeys and it made, and it made the buffalo hunters mad. Yeah, <laughs> they, they killed a few thousand <laughs> buffalo. Hypocritical, but yeah, and, but they said they made those guys eat all those turkeys. You know, a city guy back in them times was really a city guy if they called you that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's worse now. Yeah. No, no, no. But what, if you were a city, if they called you, if you were in Gale, Texas, yeah. and you called somebody a city guy, <laughs> there's a long ways to a city if <laughs> yeah. in Gale, Texas in the 1800s. Yeah. Because yeah. Lubbock wasn't a city then, really, was it? No, no. I don't, no, there were no cities back then except, you know, maybe Dallas. Dallas, Fort Worth. Yeah. And that was it. Mm-hmm. A long-ass way. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize uh, I was I was doing just some research uh i can't remember what i was looking at oh i was trying to find heads or tails out of the draft dodgers question that i got Mm -hmm. the uh the the lubbock guy i guess he was governor of texas from what i remember from what i read golly what was his name i think it was lubbock the last name was lubbock but uh wasn't he the racist guy (laughs) <laughs> well, no, he was a. I got to looking, and he was. I don't know. What but didn't they saying. just come out trying to say that? Yeah, they just said they he, wanted to change the name of the town to BLM or something. But he ah. was a Lincoln abolitionist. Okay, really? before he got to. But I guess he had. And now with cancel culture, if you've got, oh yeah, yeah. if you've got blood of a slave owner, they're going to come after you. But I think yeah. he was. Uh, Dude, I got news for you. All three of us sitting at this table. Are going to be canceled out in fifty years at the right oh, things sure. are going. Oh, sure, easily, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, all of you, the work you've done will be. Oh my God, he! He's I a can't bad believe guy. he did that. You yeah, know, we got to burn it. Francis yes. Francis Lubbock, governor of Texas. Okay, office during darned. the Civil War, eighteen sixty one. So you don't miss teaching at school? Ah, uh, no, no. I miss I miss the interaction uh, with the young people, but the teaching, uh, actually, the grading's what I hated. I just hated. The Give grading. everybody a day. I'm sorry. Give everybody an A. I wish I could, you know, and I, and I wanted to. What now? But what was the curriculum? Was it? It's not essays or anything, is it? No, it was. Uh, it was pictures? all photography. It was. Uh, I actually made it sort of uh, editorial photography, mm-hmm. where I became mm-hmm. the editor, and they were a freelancer, mm-hmm. and they would they would give me a concept mm-hmm. for a story, and then I would then I would review the concept and say, yeah, they, you know, it's viable. You know, go for it. Or I'd say, no, you need to change. You can't do that. It's it, I don't think you're capable of doing it. Or that's not even logical. Was it all here. outdoor photography? Uh no, no. It could be I, indoor. I had nudes. Uh, nudes. One guy, one guy did nudes. That's all it is. Just uh, bodyscapes. <laughs> I would tell you a funny ass story. I, I don't know. <laughs> we, we were <laughs> not coming to me for being a model. <laughs> this, we were we. Me and Michelle were in Salem. We were in Marblehead, Massachusetts, yeah. in October. We come out of a place to eat, and it was kind of foggy. And where we, we stayed at was probably a, a half a city block, mm-hmm. cobblestone road. You know, we're walking. You know, it's, it's kind of nice outside at night. And I look in this door. There's a there, there's some shops there. Mm-hmm. And I look in the door of this shop, and there's this fat naked chick sitting on a, a stool. Yeah. And I'm like, Michelle, come here. I go, get my picture with that lady behind me. She goes, I'm going to get caught. And it was a painting class, and they got fucking two ton Tessie sitting on a bench. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't believe it. I thought, you'd think they'd get a hotter model. I, I mean, she was so. a big old girl. She was just as smiling. I watched, we watched for three or four minutes, but I wanted to get my picture made with her uh, in the background. 
yeah, this guy asked me if he could uh, if he could do bodyscapes, and and I I I got it. I went to the class and I said, okay, we're gonna be looking at nudes. Mm-hmm. Is everybody cool with it? And everybody, oh yeah, it's fine. And I had a lot of gals in class, and so you know, because we we viewed everybody's images each week, and uh, went through them and and I critiqued them, told them how they could improve on them. Nice boobs. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was they were very tastefully done. Yeah, very tastefully. It That's looked a- like sand dunes. So, sand dunes in great light. Did, really? Yeah. That's what it looked like. So did uh so that wasn't something their main class was wanting to do was naked pictures. No, no. A lot of them uh did like uh oh golly, uh the cotton industry, you know, uh, farming and uh, you know, just various things like that. We I went to school with a girl in college that took a pictures and she was in a photography art class in mm-hmm. Midwestern. And she took a photo of the old Bar L downtown where you could get red draws. Mm-hmm. And they used to have the uh, neon lights. Mm-hmm. And she had it where they the lights looked they were moving off of it. And that is a cool print. And I saw it not long ago. Someone had it. And it was a print made in the 80s. Oh, be darn. But it was yeah. really, a, it was a very cool print yeah. from art class. Yeah. Have any of these students gone on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got uh, one of them, uh, Jared Foster. He is now the associate, what, director or dean in uh, MassCom. Oh. Yeah, their tech. Had one gal, uh, Ginger Scavaja, that went to New York. Had another gal that was photographed in New York. Um, had some that should have kept going, but they didn't. They were good enough. Why? Why? What, just, they, just, they just chose not to. That's got to be frustrating. Damn good. That's got to be just so frustrating. Yeah. You see all the talent in the world, and you're like, yeah. listen, if you just... But, you know, I wonder... I wonder if they got burned out on it, or I wonder if the stars kind of weren't aligning to where they didn't see that this was going to make sense. If there was a means to an end coming anytime soon, probably. Uh, I don't know where. One of them, uh, she's back from New York. She's in uh, in Colorado now, and she was a good shooter. One, um, a couple of guys, they could probably shot for Geographic, you know, really? but they they just didn't. What is that? I mean, is it is that all just right place, right time? How does yeah. how does that work? Yeah. I mean, I, I th- you mean life like, is right place, yeah, right time. Yeah, you know, but. it's it's like me and in, in, in photography. Uh, That's my brother. Uh, Probably wondering where the hell you are. You're not yeah. answering your phone. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hit it just right. Right. Absolutely perfect. Uh, the only two photographers in Texas was Jerry Smith and uh, one from San Antonio. And um, and so they were shooting primarily white-tailed deer. And so I actually called an editor in New York and a photo editor and just said, you know, how how can I kind of break in? I mean, you got these two guys. Then you got Linda LaRue. He was big at the time. Tom Brakefield, guys like that. And um, And so you had about probably maybe six or eight big shooters at the time. And he said, and I, I'd seen him some images, and he said, you've got a good eye. He said, give me something I hadn't seen. That's what I'm after. Give me something I hadn't seen. And so I kept looking at the magazine thinking, nobody's shooting wild turkey. And so I found a, a, a group of wild turkey, a flock down on the North Wichita, got permission to go down there, and I, for 37 days nonstop, I photographed wild turkey. 
I still remember it vividly. Nonstop. I remember one day a horrible dust storm. And I was still in that down there calling turkey, sitting in a little old makeshift blind that made out of uh, chicken wire and hay. Mm-hmm. And and for th- and I shot uh, 1,400 photographs of wild turkey, and I mean I hit the national magazine. And was right. it it was this uh, the dueling turkeys? Is that what is that uh, what it was? No, that was later. That was in the 80s. Uh, the turkey. The okay, go down. Okay, now go to the right. Yeah. That one right there was one of them. This one or this yeah, one? Yeah. Uh, no, th- to the right. To the right. Yeah. That one. Yep. Beautiful shot. And uh, and I I broke in right there. I had uh, three national covers in one month. In 1981, Sports of Field, uh, American Hunter, and Peterson's Hunting in one month. And then after that, it was like, hey, who's the guy who got the turkey pictures? And then I then started fielding stream. And by that was in 81, and by 1985, I was uh, selected as one of five new age photographers that was highlighted by Sports of Field magazine. So do they just know, do these publishers just know, like, okay, he's broken in, he's done what he needed to do, we can, he can do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, do they just know that? Like, uh, what I'm getting at is, like, how do you go from being the turkey guy to Wyman well, can do anything? You, you establish you establish a style. Mm-hmm. That's the angle that you shoot from. I always shot low, real low. I never yeah. shot up from elevated blinds or right. anything. And uh, and I always shot right at daylight and right at sun right at sunset. Because even if you look at that picture, it looks like he is in yeah. your business. Yeah. And you shoot tight, strong. Right. And uh, and I remember one time, Leonard Larue, I believe, was in Amarillo, gave him a photo uh, seminar, and someone told me that was there. They said he mentioned you as one of the top shooters in America to watch today, and that was in like in the late eighties. Right. And so then I then I I just kind of not by 1989 I just got tired of it. I just got tired of shooting nothing but wildlife. I thought I can do more than this, you know. And so I started focusing on people, on history, on landscapes, skyscapes, and it was the best move I ever made. And uh, and then by heck 93 I didn't even shoot for the nationals anymore. Yeah. I quit. I should. In fact, the last time I shot for the nationals, I had three covers on field and stream in one year. Wow. You, you, you're an interesting person. It shows in your work, and I'm not into art that much. Mm-hmm. Terry Redland's my favorite artist. You're my favorite photographer. <laughs> I, uh, I took art appreciation in college. That <laughs> was absolutely the most miserable class. I bet you that's true. A miserable class I ever took in my entire life. And day two, I'm thinking, why in the hell did I choose uh-huh. this? And I had to take a, a liberal yeah. arts class, and so I took one. And oh, God. I regretted that. Yeah, I took anthropology, and I thought it was archaeology. Mm-hmm. And it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but see, if I, took, uh, I took physiology. Yeah. Because I, I took anatomy and physiology in high school. Yeah. I'm going to learn about where the arm is. I'm going to learn a couple, you know, yeah. little things here. Physiology is like how, what, what goes on in your finger to make it do yeah. that. Yeah. I was in way over my head, and it was a summer class, and the professor came on first day, and he said, there's two ways to get out of the final, and it's comprehensive. 
You can either have an A average going into the final, or you can B, have perfect attendance. My ass was in the same seat. <laughs> I had an 8 a.m. at Give me that. I had yeah. an 8 a.m. in July. Yeah. I was there every single day. I had a C plus, and I walked, and I took it, and I ran with it. <laughs> Most of the people baby. in that class were white coats, too, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. I look around, and like everybody's wearing scrubs, and then there are like uh. people with uh, doctor's coats on. I'm thinking, what in the hell have I said? Because all I needed yeah. was a lab science. It could yeah. have been anything. Yeah. But I see physiology, and I'm like, yeah. I took anatomy and physiology my senior year in high school. I'll take that. Yeah. Be fine. That'll be a quick A. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I did not make A in art appreciation, but probably if I'm guessing, I got a C, but it was a miserable C, and it was a yeah. miserable, yeah. miserable class. I had a few of those. It wasn't nothing like this. Yeah. Me and the guy even, we argued. I debated a little bit, so yeah. me and him got into it. Yeah. He, he was a, an old Jewish guy. He, he did not like anybody that looked like a jock or he thought was a jock. Yeah. And he hated me. <laughs> and we got into an argument over Terry Redlin one time. Because yeah. he goes, well, what do you consider good art? I said, well, Terry Redlin. Well, he's not really an artist. Well, yeah. fuck, I don't know what he is. I mean, he sells <laughs> yeah. Ducks Unlimited. Sure sells a lot of his shit. He raises a lot of <laughs> yeah. money for him. That's yeah. art to me. Yeah. But it wasn't. He wanted impressionist. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I learned some stuff in there. Yeah. But we did learn. We did a lot of stuff on Ansel, Ansel, Ansel Adams. Ansel Adams, yeah. And Georgia O'Keeffe. Georgia O'Keeffe. And I can spot a Georgia O'Keeffe. Yeah, painting. Anywhere. In the Smithsonian, if I see one of her stuff, I know that's hers. Yeah. And that's, that's, so I did learn some stuff in there. Yeah. But anybody out there that's going to take art appreciation, don't do it. Well, my, uh, one of the things I I wanted to teach my classes at Tech, I said, yeah, look, uh, you can take photography over in art and then learn how to take a picture of a door, you know, and the compositional, you know, proper composition. But I said, what I'm going to teach you is how to take your camera. When you leave here in, in a mass comm, you're going to be a writer too. And you can be one. You can be both photographer and writer. And you, it's, and you can go. Because when I was shooting in the 80s before I started really writing heavy, uh, they, would, they, would put a, they would put me with a writer. And, and, that, and I, I learned quickly that if you could write and photograph, boy, you were a package deal. Right. Deadly. And so I said, I'm going to teach you people to be a package deal. Once you leave college, yeah, because one of the books intent. you did is with Ray, yeah, Ray Sasser. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. did you and Bob, did Bob Hood? And you never did anything together, did you? Mm-hmm. Bob was a good guy, really yeah. good man too. Um, we don't have any sports writers left or outdoor writers left. I don't think really. Oh, That's Ray's dead. Yeah. Bob's dead. Yeah, I don't. Jerry O'Brien. I think at Abilene's dead. My goodness. I, mean, I don't think. I hate if Jerry. If you're not dead, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry I said that. Put you in the grave. Take just, an aspirin, buddy. Yeah. If you were an old man when I got in the hunting business, yeah. then you're a really yeah. old man now. I remember a great uh, Byron Dalrymple. You remember him? Don't even know that name. Oh, he was, I mean, he was one of the big writers in the 60s, maybe the late 50s. And and I just read his stuff, you know, when I was a kid. And he wrote me a letter one time. And he told me, he said, you are, you know, you're a a good guy, basically what he said. And we started exchanging letters, and then he died. And so uh, I kept his letters. I was watering. I kept his letters and A.S. Jackson's letters and uh, John Gray's letters. And, uh, and I have them there in, uh, in my home today, and every once in a while I pull them out and read them. From, and uh, you can go in Cabela's. <clears throat> you know the pictures when you go to the bathroom? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Byron Dalrymple's one of them. I'll, be, I'll look it up. Really? Uh, yeah. 
in all your travels, I know we've kept you long. It's been two hours now. That's okay. Most interesting person you've ever met in your life. Most interesting. Wow, I'd have to think about that. I've met some characters. I don't know. You know, I met, uh, what's the old boy's name that wrote uh, Texas? Uh, uh, Michener. Michener, I wrote, I met James Michener one time. Kids today don't even know about that but book. He, but, he, but he was just kind of a, he was kind of a hard ass. Was he? Yeah. Um, but he was good. He's a good writer. Good writer. He just, I remember he, he was asked a hard me, ass to you. He just he was just like a, a real kind of like He's proud of himself. Yeah. Well, the uh, the, the rancher said, you know, "This is James Mister. This is why I'm in here photographing." I said, "Hello, Mister Mister. How are you?" And, and he said, uh, "Are your cameras paid for?" And I said, "Yes, sir." And he said, "You're doing fine." He turned and walked <laughs> off. You that was it. Bye. That sounds like Danny Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are your cameras paid for? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that does sound like something he'd say, though. Shit on me. Yes, sir, it is. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Because you've met some cool dudes. I've met a lot of neat people. A lot of neat people. Is it weird having the big archive that you do? I mean, you've got pictures, and you can, you, you can basically watch yourself grow up. Mm-hmm. Is that how does that make you feel when you look back at some of the old pictures? Is I mean, are, is it a mixture? I'll tell you, you what. What's funny? I mean, what's interesting about it is you can see you can see elements in your early day shots. I mean, way back when I was a kid, you can see elements that are still there today. Mm-hmm. It was a style that was building even as a child. Close, tight, strong, light. Uh, the way an animal looks, you know, even horses. When I used to have a uh, a one twenty, you know, an old two and a quarter job, you know, that old Kodak, Kodalux or whatever, and a, not a brownie, but you know, one of the one twenty jobs. My mother gave me a hold down here twin lens reflex, and you can see elements there that wow, I still have that today. Mm-hmm. But you just uh, you know you add a few things that uh, that makes it more interesting action instead of just static stuff. But I mean, you personally. You see yourself, mm-hmm. you know, old pictures that you got from, you know, you in the dugout, or yeah, there's that, yeah. there's a picture you've got your, you're in the horse trough, I, I think. Oh it is. yeah, that number three tub, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. is it weird seeing like like you've basically grown up on film? Yeah, yeah, it's funny to look back. I wish I still had all that hair on my head. <laughs> 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 well, but yeah, do. I tell you, I was, uh, I was not. Uh, probably not as nice a guy back then as I am now. Right. See, I don't know about that. Well, I don't know about. I didn't know you then, but I look back now, and you didn't know us from Adam when we first moved out here. Yeah. And I think our first six brochures are your backdrop pictures that you gave us to use. Oh yeah. And yeah. you came out here and you took pictures and you dicked around with, hell, dad. Yeah. Dad, dad thought he adopted you for a yeah. little bit there. <laughs> and and so you were a nice guy because you yeah. were big. You were walking in high cotton then, and yeah. you had time for us back then. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm talking about even before that, back you know in the '70s. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I didn't know you then, but yeah, I met you when I yeah. met you. You had time yeah. for people like us. Yeah. Well, I, and, I I tell you what, I will take to this day. I will not be even if I'm in a hurry. I will not be rude to anybody. Right. Unless they're an asshole. Yeah. If they're an asshole and they act and you know and I can perceive that, I'm just going. You know, I don't have time for you. But uh, oh, spam! Wow. Um, <laughs> So, uh, but, uh, but I would, and if somebody calls me right, like, like this morning at six o'clock, 
I was looking at my messengers, my messages, and I'm going, I never look at those things, hardly ever, unless I know something's going to happen like today. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to right. be here at 6 o'clock. And then I saw stuff back in December. I've, people wrote me and asked me questions. I'm going, oh. I started back in December answering. Going, I'm so sorry. I'm not good at this. I don't pay a lot of attention to messages. So I'm answering you now. Please forgive me mm-hmm. for, for not taking the time to do this. And uh, but that's just the way I feel. I don't. I'm not uh, one of those guys that just brushes people off. Don't you? I, I can't imagine the messages you get because I know the I message. Because I know the messages I get, yeah. and sometimes, especially during hunting season, yeah. I like I ain't got time to answer 35 people today on stuff yeah. Yeah. that has nothing to do with anything other than. And a lot of them is people just being nice, trying to tell me right. something, or right. hey Jeff, I thought you might be interested in this, and I feel bad. But right. sometimes you just don't have time. I can't imagine the yeah. stuff you get all over from yeah. places. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and uh, uh, questions about photography, you yeah. know, and I'm just, <laughs> I get tired of talking photography. You need to put it, you need to have a, and I'm sure you've done it before, you need to have a camp for people, as many people as want to shoot photography, <laughs> wildlife now. Yeah. But I'm probably, I'm sure you don't want to jack with them, but no, there's a lot of people would love to have you do that. <laughs> I don't. Are I you going to retire ever? Uh, do what you do. I, I'm not going to do any more photo workshops in the near future. I'm not going to do any more of those. I'm tired of those. Um, but I'll always take pictures. I love. I mean, when I get when I when the lights right, the conditions are right, and I'm moved. That's all I want to do is shoot pictures at that moment. I mean, I'd live and breathe it. And when it's over, put that camera away, and I don't want to pick it up. Yeah. So no more King Ranch videos. No. Oh, yeah. pictures. So you'll still do stuff like that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, because I love doing that kind of that, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I just got we had uh, two people stop in yesterday that that uh, we got a, some big stuff coming on that I'm gonna be doing a lot of shooting on ranches. <clears throat> yeah, sounds exciting. We're good. Before we let you go, you've got a new book coming out. Uh, it's it's it's, it's not in the works. It's, it's in, in the works. works. It's in the it's works. At uh, title of it is the art of uh, predator. Uh, see the art of predator calling. Uh, a portrait in images and tradition. Now, is is this all? Is there going to be any writing in it, like Jeff alluded 20, to? Twenty thousand words right now. It's uh, I've just just had it edited, um, and uh, and it's very positive. And I have some more. It probably may end up being twenty five thousand words. Uh, they're going to be charts mm-hmm. from data over forty years. It's not going to be about killing. It's going to be this is how you call. If you want to go hunting with it, you can. If you want to go photographing with it, you can. If you want to just go out with the kids and call and look, you can do it. But it's not going to be focused on any one thing. It's just except for calling. Mm-hmm. This is how it's done. And it's going to have galleries of photographs of years of photography of coyotes coming in, bobcats, and there'll be explanations on expressions. This is what he's just decided that's happened. And, and and he it, thinks it's not good. It goes good. to that level. <coughs> yes. Wow. Be Watch very... the ear. Look at the ear. Wow. He's fixing. He's fixing. A, he's fixing the scoot. Can't wait to see really? it. Really? Yes. So, what is the uh, projected release date? In a perfect world, we, I know. I know things change. But yeah. In a perfect, perfect world, world in two years. Two years. Yeah. So twenty twenty three. Yeah. Okay. In a perfect year. Yeah. We, right. We're going to get you on again this summer if we can. Okay. If you got time. Sure. We'd like to have you on Sure. Again. I've always got time for you guys. Everybody loves you. All the time. Well, I hope so. Bit. I hope so. If there's anything I need to change, let me know because I I don't want to offend people, but I, but I, I, uh, I just want to be honest. 
that's, all, that's, that's what this this was this was our podcast is about yeah. is being yourself. Well, I mean, I appreciate it, bud. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bet. you. Have a, have a great one. Finally, got a world famous person on here. It's not <laughs> you, Andy. <laughs> Go check out all of our great sponsors. Check out Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Got a couple turkey uh, turkey dates left. Check out Bangtail Whiskey, Goose Creek Retrievers, Gundog Outdoors, Specific Custom Calls, Blind Grass, Camouflage. They're not just Camouflage System. Uh, Die Bomb Industries, Boss Shot Shells, Dirty Duck Coffee, Lucky Duck, and Looking Glass Duck Club. Brown it.